Will there be a first-round shocker in tonight's live draft? How low will Saquon Barkley be drafted this evening? And can the Joes keep the title on their side as we begin our pick-by-pick coverage? Follow along with the live draft board tonight and listen to our analysis as we call the action from the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes Mike Concho League Number 1 to see who will win a 2022 FFPC main event squad. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesser. Make out of the lesser. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you, Rob, and greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs as we bring you the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour brought to you by MyFFPC.com. It is uh, that time of year again, ladies and gentlemen. It is that time of year as we kick off Pros versus Joes tonight. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Uh, tonight is the first of six special episodes for you. It is the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes Mike Honcho League number one draft tonight. We'll be covering it for two full hours. You can follow the live draft board at youtube.com slash football. Shout out to the chat room right now. Uh, you can post any questions you all might have in there. You can connect with us on Twitter at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. Don't forget about the KFFSC at KFFSC and, of course, KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFHour is where you can connect with us. And if you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. Uh, we'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, uh, all throughout the uh, program tonight, thanks to uh, the hard work, our producer and mutual friend, Rob, and, of course, our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce. Just want to let you know, next Monday is the deadline for the 2021 FFPC main event early draft slot announcement. When you pay for your team in full uh, or, or pay off your team, you just put a deposit down, you'll get your draft slot on August 1st, basically a month plus ahead of time uh, before the, the uh, live uh, events in Vegas or if you're drafting online. Uh, you'll get your draft slot in plenty of time uh, so you know how to prep for it. If you already have a team in the main event, you'll get $400 off each additional team you add on. You can square those balances away now or register for more at myffpc.com. Tonight, we have a very tough lineup uh, for you here with the pros and Joe's sides of it. 
Uh, leading off tonight is the uh, the deep enders, Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst from the Deep End Fantasy Football Podcast, drafting in the one spot. Lev Norian right after that at two. Shane Hallam from the Fake Pigskin is picking third, hitting cleanup is the FFPC Joe Mike Reed. Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys, who is defending his uh, league title from last year, which means he'll be participating in the FFPC main event this year. He is drafting fifth ahead of Mike Guzilak and Joe Scoza at the sixth. Howard Bender from the Fantasy Alarm is picking seventh. Jay Reed and Scott Connor from the Chasing the Helmet podcast, they're Joes picking at eighth. Uh, Billy Muzio from Fantasy Data is ninth. Jeff Kiribasi is uh, out of the 10 hole tonight. Evan Silva from Establish the Run is the final pro at 11. And, of course, Ryan Lips picking 12th tonight. Let's get into the uh, draft picks themselves as we are already uh, one round deep into this 18-round slim draft. No kickers, no defenses, no excuses. Uh, this is a best ball league uh, for the uninitiated, and uh, uh, these guys, we should be able to get the, uh, the full um, uh, draft in tonight before we sign off for the evening. Uh, Shope and Krautwurst lead things off with Christian McCaffrey, the 101, no surprise there. He's been basically the de facto number one uh, pick in all the FFPC drafts so far. Dalvin Cook, uh, the 102 to Norian at the uh, two. Travis Kelsey, first tight end off the board. Shane Hallam uh, takes him at the 103. Derek Henry goes to Mike Reed at the 104. Sigmund Bloom, this guy is no stranger to drafting tight ends in the first round of the FFPC pros versus Joe's. He takes the second tight end off the board. That is Darren Waller tonight. Darren Waller at the 105. Um, Alvin Kamara followed uh, that pick. Uh, Guzilak and Skoza take him at the sixth. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Ezekiel Elliott to Howard Bender. Not sure if Jim Bowden was influencing him on that pick at all. The noted Cowboys fan on the Fantasy Alarm. Uh, Bender takes Ezekiel Elliott at the 107. Austin Eckler is Jay Reed and Scott Connors pick at the uh, eighth overall selection. Then we get a pair of receivers, the first two receivers off the board. We get Tyreek Hill at the 109 to Billy Muzio, and then Stefan Diggs to Jeff Tirabasi, who takes uh, the second receiver off the board with the 10th overall pick. Um, two players that have actually been falling in drafts a little bit um, in, in the uh, Football Guys Players Championship in the uh, FFPC inaugural best ball tournament. Uh, Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor still make it into the first round here, but Barkley goes at the 111, Jonathan Taylor at the 112. Got to wonder, and, and um, I, I think there's been a lot of discussion about Barkley on Rich Eisen's podcast within the last week or two, um, refusing, not really refusing, but darting around answers to how healthy his knee is and what his projected timetable is and how much he expects to be doing when training camp starts, which is just around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, wouldn't answer any of that. The Giants have already said they're going to bring him around slowly. This is something that fantasy football players, high-stakes fantasy football players, will have to figure out um, how they're going to treat Saquon Barkley in drafts this year. Are you going to take him um, you know, as a top five, top six running back? Or are you going to let him slip to the end of the first round? Um, could be a great value, obviously. And, and you think about the start you could have if Barkley is healthy, if you're getting him at the end of the first round, as Evan Silva did here, um, then you pair him with an early second-round pick. As uh, George Costanza would say, now you got a team. So I think this is interesting to see where Barkley is going to go. A lot of fluctuation is my projection, uh, projection uh, as we get closer and closer to uh, the live main event drafts at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas for the FFPC. Jonathan Taylor is another interesting guy, too, because he was a player that I know a lot of people were hype, hyping up early in the drafting season. And at the FFPC, 
mean, drafting started there for 2021 back in January while the playoffs were still going on. And people were really hyping up Jonathan Taylor based on his um, really strong end to the 2020 season. Um, factors to consider, the addition of Marlon Mack, the re-signing of Marlon Mack, obviously. And then you still have Jordan Wilkins there and then Naheem Hines stealing passes. These were all known quantities back then. I'm not sure why now Taylor is not being selected as a front half of the first round player being selected as a back half of the first round. Ryan lips makes him his choice here at the one twelve. Let's get into the second round. It is littered with running backs here. Ladies and gentlemen, cam acres off the board to lips. So he goes running back, running back to start one of four uh, <clears throat> uh, teams tonight that have started off with running back, running back acres to lips. Deandre Hopkins is who Evan Silva paired uh, Saquon Barkley with. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins goes up to 201, and then we get three straight running backs. <clears throat> Nick Chubb to Jeff Tiribasi, Antonio Gibson to Billy Muzio, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to Reed and Connor. Remember, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year was a guy who was going in the mid-first round of a lot of drafts, a lot of high-stakes drafts, and he let uh, those owners down. Now, he had a solid season, but not middle of the first-round season. And we saw him slip off a, a little bit. Now he's bouncing back a little bit more. Reed and Connor take him at the 205 tonight to go with Austin Eckler. A lot of catches, a lot of receptions in that backfield so far for Reed and Connor. Devontae Adams, the uh, you know potential shrapnel from the will they or won't they story with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Adams is the first Packer uh, selected tonight as he goes at the 206 to Howard Bender. Then you're looking at George Kittle uh, to Guzilek and Skoza as uh, the third tight end off the board, the first one in the second round. This is interesting, too, because I wonder if Sigmund Bloom, had he had the opportunity, who was drafting right after Guzilek and Skoza, if he would have start off with Waller and Kittle. In any event, he doesn't get the chance because Kittle goes with Kamara to Guzilek and Skoza there. Joe Mixon is the quasi-consolation prize, I guess, for Sigmund Bloom from not getting uh, George Kittle, he gets uh, Waller and Mixon to start off his draft. Mike Reed, you know, is, uh, Najee Harris uh, off the board to pair with his Derrick Henry. Talented backfield there um, for, uh, for Reed. Pair of Alabama running backs there, actually. Uh, Michael Thomas to Shane Hallam. And then you have DK Metcalf to Lev Norian uh, to go with his Dalvin Cook selection. Aaron Jones, the final selection of the second round as uh, Shope and Krautwurst have to be pretty happy getting the 15th running back off the board uh, in Aaron Jones um, to, uh, to pair with Christian McCaffrey. It's interesting, too, and I don't think you really consider this a whole lot, although I know that bye weeks are in play, but Jones and McCaffrey both have the same bye week this year. Um, so uh, Shope and Krautwurst will have to figure out something in week 13 as the, uh, for their backfield in week 13 as the draft goes on here to make sure they are not getting skunked in that backfield. Every other week, you know, health permitting, it should be really, really good. So if you're looking at the totals here after two rounds, you're looking at three tight ends off the board. You're looking at six receivers off the board, and the rest were all running backs. Running backs going heavy in this draft. Everybody loading up on volume. Everybody uh, loading up on, uh, on, on, those, uh, on a lot of touches as much as they can to try to win that 2022 FFPC main event team. And only one team can win it. That's one of the great things about the pros versus Joes is you will see a lot of home run swings rather than um, swinging for contact or trying to get a double off the wall. 
One team will win something in this draft tonight. The, the team that wins it will get a free FFPC main event uh, to the 2022 version, whether it be online or live in Las Vegas. And second place gets bupkis. <laughs> so it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but that's why we get the best high-stakes players in the world going up against the best fantasy analysts in the world in this draft. And one of these teams will walk away with that main event entry. Moving on into the third round, we're seeing a little bit more yellow on the board as receivers start going off a little hot and heavy here. Calvin Ridley is the 301 tonight to Mike Shope. So they go McCaffrey, uh, Mike Shope and Adam Crowthorst, beg your pardon. You have uh, McCaffrey, Jones, and Ridley from Team 1 tonight. Justin Jefferson joining Lev Norian's squad. That's DK Metcalf and Dalvin Cook and now Justin Jefferson there. So pretty electric um, uh, playmakers on that squad. We'll have to see how that turns out for Norian, not only as the season goes along, but as the rest of this draft unfolds. Chris Carson off the board to uh, Shane Hallam. Now this is his number one running back uh, that he selects here. And it is, I'm, I'm just looking at the ADP. And by the way, when I talk about the ADP on this show, I want to give a shout out to Darren Armani, the webmaster at FantasyMojo.com, who compiles all the great um, FFPC data on there. If you are playing in the FFPC and you don't have a subscription to Fantasy Mojo, you are not doing it the correct way. It is uh, extremely cheap, and um, you get a lot for your buck there. So make sure you're subscribing there. As I go to the ADP over the last five days in, uh, in best ball leagues, um, you're looking at Chris Carson not being selected until running back 19 uh, at the 309. Now, Hallam uh, knows he's probably not going to get him in the fourth round, so he takes him at the 303 there. We'll see um, how, uh, how that unfolds um, uh, to see how he fills out the rest of his backfield after taking Carson at the 303. want to take a pause from the live pick-by-pick analysis right now. We will go to the phone lines and uh, take a caller. Caller in the 925, you are on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hours live coverage of the FFPC Pros versus Joes. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with right now? Hey, Bucky, Billy Muzio here from Fantasy Data. How are you? Billy, it is good talking to you. Um, this, now, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your first foray into, uh, into the Pros versus Joes, right? It is, yeah. I was... Um... Very blessed to be selected in here. I'm, I'm honored and uh, looking forward to this draft pretty much since I got the email from Darren. So a um, lot, of, lot of tough teams in here, a lot of great drafters, and, and looking forward to seeing how this thing shakes out. So you knew you were going to have the nine pick. I, obviously, it's tough to prep for the nine pick because there's eight guys before you, and nobody knows what anybody's capable of in these drafts. What, was your, what were your thoughts on what you were going to be doing with the nine pick? Um, did you think Tyree Akil was, was going to be a possibility there? I mean, he was the first receiver off the board, uh, so you had your pick of the litter at the position. Why, was, why did Hill make the most sense for you there? Yeah, the two that on my board when I went into the drafts were going to be Austin Eckler and Tyree Akil. Uh, I'm a little higher on Eckler than, than a lot of folks are. Um, however, Tyree Akil is my number one wide receiver uh, in my 2021 projections. Um, that being said, I was happy that I was given either of them. Uh, I've seen, you know, pretty much players from the four slot to the 12 slot are, are interchangeable depending upon people's preferences, and and um, you just never know what's going to happen in, in these drafts. It's kind of the widest range of ADP that we've seen uh, in in years. So um, you got to be on your toes, but I'm happy to land uh, Tyreek there, who was number two on my board's best spot. 
Um, when you uh, when when you looked at the um, the other drafters in this league, because you draft a lot of FFPC leagues too, and obviously you're in the industry, so you you understand where a lot of these guys are coming from. Um, what what did did you have a certain amount of expectations of knowing what these guys were going to be doing in this draft tonight, knowing which players they were going to target? I mean, how much scouting did you do uh, against the eleven other players that you're going up against? Quite a bit, and you see some of the drafts that they've done, either whether it be mocks or, or whether it be um, FPCs or whatever it may be. Um, so you kind of have a little bit of an understanding, but um, best ball kind of throws people for a loop. But like you said earlier, they're going to swing for the fences. They're not really going to uh, hit for singles, I think were your words. And um, But I, I think that it really changed things. I expected a really uh, green-dominant board, which is what we're seeing already. Um, it's one of the downfalls of not grabbing one in the first round. Uh, but I just feel in best ball you can make up later in that position, uh, taking some, some later rounds and, uh, and then capturing, you know, the, the top of the wide receiver chain and the top of the tight end board, especially in these tight end premium leagues. Can you, can you kind of tell us, because you've done slims, you've done football guys, but, but specifically about the slim because this is the format we have tonight. Well, what are, what are some of the mistakes you see people making? I mean, are, are they loading up too much at one position? Are they leaving themselves naked at other positions that it's really going to cost them? Do you have a, a specific belief of you need this many players at this position, this many players at this position uh, in order to maximize your win potential? What, what are some of the mistakes that you see uh, drafters making in this type of format? I think the number one mistake I see is that somebody will take three quarterbacks and, you know, comparing it to whether a normal format or a 28 that they may have been used to in the past, uh, the slim format changes that. You're not really able to do that. Uh, if you are, you're doing it at a desperation, I believe. Uh, I, I, think, I think that's number one. Uh, and I think from there, I, I would say the number two error that I see people make is um, pushing a position off bar because you will get people on the board who are, who are smart and they identify it and will select, um, maybe push, push the position up a little bit just to, you know, make you lose value. So um, I think you have to build balance while still kind of swinging for the fences, but I think the three-quarterback uh, selection is the biggest mistake I see in these drafts. Billy, we, uh, we know that you are uh, um, co-hosting the Fantasy Football Fanalists, obviously with uh, Bradley Stalder. You obviously are doing YouTube stuff for fantasy data as well. Can you tell us what you're working on right now, what subscribers, what your fans, what, your, um, what, what everybody who utilizes your data, your fantasy data, as it were, uh, what they can expect coming from you down the pike here? Yeah, we actually have a pretty cool, we're calling it the Fantasy Data um, Video Challenge, and we have uh, 12 different analysts from 12 different sites. Um, we're going to be doing a slim format here on the FFPC, the best ball format, um, inside a tournament, and they're going to be submitting video submissions for every single pick. So you're going to get a 30 to 45 second blurb of why that analyst chose that pick from round one to round 18, all 200 and I think 16 or 17 picks, whatever it is, and I'm going to splice it. I'm going to, I'm going to edit it and get it all together. So essentially you have an ADP board with video um, that's going to be timestamped so people can click on anybody's name and see that analyst talk about that individual. Good stuff. That is exciting. That's something that we haven't seen before too. That's awesome. Billy, listen, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the way in this draft, not only in this draft, but in, your, uh, in, in all your football guys, your, all your FFPC leagues as well. We will, all, of course, all follow you on Twitter at, at FF Muzio, and we will uh, check out at FFF, uh, excuse me, at FF 
fanalist as well, and at Fantasy Data NFL three of the uh, Twitter handles that are a must follow if you are a fan of Billy Muzio. Billy, thank you so much for calling in, dude. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, Bucky. Have a good night. Billy Muzio, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the Fantasy Data uh, or co-host of the FF Fanalist. Uh, podcast as well as um, the uh, YouTube feed for Fantasy Data along with Bradley Stoller. want to bring out um, uh, another caller again right away, another drafter tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know him from footballguys.com, does the audible there. He does everything there, really, uh, doing a lot of great stuff. He's a, a returning champion of this format, a league format from last year. Sigmund Bloom, welcome onto the show, man. Oh, it's great to be doing this. I kind of feel like this is the kickoff. Uh, this draft every year I look forward to, and I think that it's the most unpredictable, which makes it the most fun. It, and it's so like you have been, you're like an OG with this. Like you've been doing it for a long, long time. Last year was the year that it flipped from a 28 round best ball to an 18 round slim. How difficult of a transition was that for you uh, to go up against not only five of your fellow analysts, but six FFPC Joes in a completely different format that we had never done in this contest before. The old 28-round format, it felt like it gave you a larger margin of error. Everybody had a few players in their back pocket that they had a, thought they had a good chance to help out at a position of need. You could even draft and build knowing that you could harvest value. You could get players who could score for you some weeks in the 20s. And I think that that made durability more important because you couldn't do an ideal build. You were really going to have to count on more players than you were used to in this draft. So uh, it just made you tighten up. How do you, I mean, I, and I said this to you when we announced your first round pick and Darren Waller at the five spot. I feel like every year in this, you, you always take a tight end in the first round. It used to be Gronk. Yeah. Gronk used to be your guy all the time. Darren Waller this year, why do you always like getting those elite tight ends early? Well, the tight end premium ups the ceiling of the position, and I feel like there's only a few players who are going to give you more than a game or two of a ceiling-type tight end score, and having that in your build just gives you a much higher top-end range of possibilities. You have to count on yourself hitting a wide receiver or a running back later, uh, and I think it's a lot easier to do that at those positions than at tight end. Um, I, Joe Mixon is a guy that has been basically polarizing since he entered the league. Now, for a different reason when he entered the league than he is now, because now it's like there's the Joe Mixon stands out there, then there's the Joe Mixon haters, and this is a guy that is probably going to be now in the have the most talent surrounding him, right, on his NFL team that he's had in his whole career. Right. It sounds like he's going to get a huge workload. You get him tonight at the 208. I mean, to me, that seems like a pretty good value. Uh, how high would you go for Joe Mixon this year, Sigmund? That's probably about as high, honestly. Uh, you know, I was just happy to be able to get uh, expected – a lead running back. I know that Nixon's durability last year is a little bit scary, but everything in this offense, arrow is pointing up. We know he's going to get all the opportunity. That's all you can really ask for in a best ball in the mid-second round is those lead backs are drying up. And I think the position scarcity just dictates that you have to come away with at least a few running backs in the first five rounds, too, uh, that give you a chance to hold it down because then you're going to be taking players that you really kind of have to hold your nose to take at running back as you get later in your draft. Sig, one last question here uh, for you. Um, You get Chris Godwin here in the fifth round. 
The Tampa offense obviously looks awesome. We, we know how deep the backfield is. They're bringing back Antonio Brown this season for a full year. You have O.J. Howard coming back off his torn ACL. Is the advice that you would give high-stakes players, or really any fantasy football players out there, like, look, we, we don't exactly know who the best Tampa skill position guy is to own for fantasy, so just try to draft a piece of it or a, or a couple pieces of it because it could prove to be pretty fruitful. Yeah, Godwin's that. Bruce Arian slot, you really saw he and Brady uh, get on the same page as the season went on, as the offense came together. I think it's going to be the most valuable part of that offense and the most consistent part of that offense. So I'm going to try to take him every time I can in the fifth round. Uh, so we, I, we, obviously, you do all the great podcasts, all the great work over at footballguys.com, I, the, the host of On the Couch. Can you tease anything that you have coming up for the, uh, for the listeners and the readers? Yeah, you know, we are got the preseason watch list coming up, something that Cecil and I do every year where we're going through all 32 teams and just getting our starting understandings as training camp uh, as our brains are receptive to everything that we're going to learn over the next month. Uh, and it, it's a, all these fun rituals. I, this year it feels like, uh, you know, more than ever we're welcoming more people into the fold, and I'm just happy to be part of it. We are happy that you were part of this program tonight, Sigmund. We all follow you on Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom. Good luck the rest of the way. See, so you just went with Robbie Anderson now, two, three straight receivers for you. Uh, it's got a good build. It looks like you could repeat as your league champ and get into the 2022 FFPC main event as well. Good luck in the 2021 version. Thanks so much for calling in, man. We really Thanks. appreciate it. Thanks. Sigmund Bloom, ladies and gentlemen, uh, awesome to talk to him um, and uh, formulating a pretty good team here as well. We will, I promise you, I promise you we will get back to the live draft coverage, but we have another caller right now from the 412 that I want to make sure we take. 412, you are on the HSFF Hour for the PBJ. Who is this? Hey, it's Shane Hallam from FakePigskin.com. Shane, it is good to talk to you. I know, so I listened to um, the Chasing the Helmet podcast that uh, Jay Reed and Scott Connor had um, about a week or so ago, roughly, and you were the guest. And it seemed like both of you guys showed a pretty mutual respect, or the three of you showed a pretty mutual respect, um, that, you know, not wondering that how much value you guys were going to get in the draft that the other ones were in, right? But it, it, it kind of paid off that you're in the front end here picking third. They're eighth right now, so you're not necessarily stealing your guys, uh, you're each, you know, the, the players that each of you guys are targeting. How do you think your draft is going so far six rounds in? I think it's going well. You know, I was really hoping that Travis Kelsey would, would fall to three, similar to what Sigmund just said. I, I really wanted to get a tight end early because it's much tougher later. Uh, and so for me, that, that was really what kind of kicked it off, and then I could kind of execute my plan, get, get solid players, and I think I'm in a position to uh, make a big dent for sure. Um, I, I, t- I talked about the Chris Carson pick. Um, I thought – I guess I, I thought it was more of a reach until I actually looked at the data and the data would say that eh, maybe it was like a half round early, but you know, the importance of getting your guys in this draft. And I think for you, um, as long as you've always been in this, you've always just gone out and gotten your guys ADP be damned. Right. I, I, yeah. I think it's important just to get them like, especially picking third, there's such a wide chasm until you pick again. So I definitely picked, some players, you know, picking Carson over Swift and Dobbins 
Uh, I think he's a little bit more reliable. I think he's more underrated. Picking Michael Thomas over Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson, I think there's some more upside there with Michael Thomas. So it has been a lot of me kind of finding the players I like, you know, within almost almost a full round and, and taking that player uh, because you're going to, you know, it's about a round and a half before I have to pick again. So I, I think Carson's in a really nice situation. Seahawks seem to want to go back to running the ball more. I think people have gotten scared off because he gets hurt a little bit or this and that. It's best ball. Uh, when he's on the field, he's usually a top 12 running back. He's an RB1. And I, I think that's really, really hard to get that consistency at the end, uh, you know, in the third round where I was picking. Talking with Shane Hallam here from the fake pigskin. Um, Miles Sanders, this is a guy that was some people took as the number one overall pick. And now I'm not saying a ton, but I did see it done last year more than once. Um, you get him in the fourth round here. Now, Philly's obviously notorious for having a, a running back by committee, but Sanders seems to be the lead guy. And if any of those other guys go down, your, your fourth round pick here has, has a pretty good ceiling. And I think you, you draft for ceiling more than anything else in the pros versus Joe's. So your Miles Sanders pick, how how good about that do you do you feel? I, I don't feel great. <laughs> he was not a player <laughs> I, I was targeting. Uh, I actually don't feel good at all. But um, you know, I was looking at uh, Mike Davis, who Howard Bender took. I was looking at Javante Williams, who Jay and Scott, who we talked about before, took. Um, so maybe they did snipe me a little bit there uh, for some upside, but. Uh, I didn't expect Miles Sanders to be there. So I, I'm pretty happy with that. Cause I, I think with Jalen Hurts, um, you know, when you have a running quarterback, that really opens up lanes for the running back to run uh, when defenses really have to kind of spy or contain. Then, uh, So I think Miles Sanders is going to do actually much better with Jalen Hurts than he did with Carson Wentz. Health is always the issue there. Uh, so two, you know, two swings at running back for me. Um, for for upside that if they if they both stay healthy they're definitely going to outperform this ADP uh, you know where I took them as well as their ADP so I'm pretty happy to take that shot in a contest like the pros versus Joe's. Uh, you took the first quarter uh, first tight end off the board. You take the third quarterback off the board in this contest. How important is it, Shane, to be elite at both those positions? I, you know, I think it gives you an advantage. I, I have always been a late-round quarterback guy. I've gone to the pros versus Joes and said, I can wait. I can always wait. And you know, this year, really evaluating my process, I actually prepared much less this year. I was always over-prepared. And, and this year, I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I know my stuff. I'm going to let it kind of come to me. And um, it, it was a, a time there in that fifth round when I felt like ah, there's not a receiver I love. There's not a running back I love. Let me take Kyler Murray. Um, even over Josh Allen, we haven't had a, a quarterback one repeat in the past decade. So let me take a guy that has QB1 overall upside. And if you get that player, uh, you look at last year, Biplab Mendel and Kern Reeves that won the whole thing, got Josh Allen. You get that QB1, um, then you have a really good chance of winning your, your league here. And that's what I think Kyler Murray could provide. Uh, Hudson Kern Reeve, the defending uh, champion of the uh, overall champion of this competition with uh, Biplab Mandel from last year. Obviously, Shane, you're in the HSFFOR chat room right now. You probably already saw it. But uh, he asks in there, he wants to know why you took Noah Fant, or Noah Fant, I beg your pardon, as uh, tight end nine here at the 703. Uh, you know, I, 
once again, I think if you can kind of firm up that tight end position, I think it's going to make some other teams weaker tight end. I think Noah Fant is probably the most bulletproof receiver on the Broncos, no matter who that quarterback is. I think he's going to get a, a lot of play. Um, so I, I think for the flex position, I think Fant's going to get some nice week-to-week um, availability. Once again, I just didn't love a lot of my options in the seventh. A lot of the guys I was considering uh, I think are going to come back to me in the eighth anyway. So uh, I'm happy to double up on tight end and not really have to worry about it for the rest of the draft while everyone else is trying to, you know, find one or two or three more that they really need. Shane, I, I, I know you are a little bit um, – um, you have a um, disadvantage, let's say, in this draft because this draft, all these other 11 guys are focused on 2021. You are living in 2022, 2023, and 2024 with a lot of your football analysis. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm. Uh, Shane, do we still have I'm, you? You know, yeah, I'm still here. Like, I I really <laughs> have been watching a lot of college football. That that's what I've been watching lately. So uh, it's definitely much <laughs> different. You know, I have I have a podcast, the the Debbie Marketplace. Um, where we talk about college players. Heck, I've, I've drafted some high school players this year. So um, it is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, I, I try not to go too rookie heavy. It gets tough. So I imagine you'll see me taking some rookies here later in this draft. Uh, Shane, we all follow you on Twitter, at Shane P. Hallam. We obviously will also follow at Debbie Marketplace and listen to the podcast as well. Thanks so much for calling in. Good luck the rest of the way. Seems like you got a really good start to a squad here that could uh, bring home a, a main event. So, so good luck to you, and good luck to all your leagues this year. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Shane Hallam, ladies and gentlemen, drafting out of the third spot tonight. We want to keep things rolling here on the phone lines. Go out to the 415 and get their analysis. Who is this live on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour? What's going on, boys? Howard Bender here. It is the RotoBuzz guy himself, ladies and gentlemen, Howard Bender drafting out of the seventh spot from Fantasy Alarm. So I, I said this at the top of the broadcast when I saw you take Ezekiel Elliott. Was Jim Bowden right next to you in your ear poking you and telling you to take Elliot? <laughs> it felt like it, didn't it? It really did. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he was like sitting right there. And if I'm going to talk about, you know, my pros versus Joe's draft uh, with Jim on the Fantasy Alarm Show tomorrow, at least let it start off on a positive note for me, right? And and he can't rip on it, you know, and, and he's going to have to look elsewhere. I don't know if you plan on adding any other Cowboys the rest of the way, but it would certainly make the show maybe easier for you, less entertaining for the rest of us. Um, Devontae Adams in the second round. I am uh, definitely on board with Aaron Rodgers being there uh, in week one for Green Bay. I think you are, too, with that selection, right? You're at the point right now where it's like, I mean, really? Is he going to play? He's not going to sit out the year. He doesn't want to sit out the year. If they're really not going to make this move and, and send him anywhere. I mean, we're getting so many mixed reports. You know, you get all these guys who are saying he's, he's done. He's never playing for them again. Um, I just heard, uh, you know, Amon Green on the uh, Football Die Hard show talking about, you know, the fact that he doesn't think Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers. At this point, you know, crap or get off the pot, man, because uh, I, I got drafts to do, and I'm not going to sit here and let Devontae <laughs> Adams slip through. Because, listen, even if Jordan Love is the quarterback, they're still force-feeding Adams all the targets. He's getting all the targets in that offense. 
Um, so moving on here, in, in, and I want to talk about your fourth-round pick in Mike Davis. So this is a guy that I think um, a, a lot of people benefited from when McCaffrey went down and then kind of forgot about. He's basically the, the, the guy in Atlanta. I know there's some Allison people out there. But you get a guy in Mike Davis who, who Howard not only looks uh, great, but he catches the football, and he should get a high volume in that offense. I guess the thing that I would be concerned with, Atlanta doesn't seem to be like a a very strong team this year. You think he's still going to get volume at the running back position if they end up throwing a ton to Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley? Um, I, you know, I do think he gets uh, enough work. I, you know, listen, I get it. You know, Atlanta's offensive line probably could use a a little bit of a makeover, uh, their defense as well. But you know what? I think that's what, you know, Arthur Smith is doing. I think he's, uh, you know, he surprised a lot of people, I think, uh, with such a quick ascension through the uh, through the coaching ranks um, and getting that coordinator job, I mean, from tight end coach to coordinator, uh, and now all of a sudden he's a head coach. You really have to respect the, uh, the the game plan that he implemented there in Tennessee. And I have to think that as a head coach, he's smart enough to uh, affiliate himself with a, a, a good, solid defensive coordinator and really get that plan straight and set away because you do have offensive weapons to compete now. I think Arthur Smith is smart enough to shore up that defense and, uh, and, and you know, play the game the way he knows it needs to be played. Talking with Howard Bender from the Fantasy Alarm, you can always hear him on the Fantasy Alarm show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Howard, you drafted in this format. I, I talked to the uh, segment about this a little bit. You drafted in this format when it was a 28-rounder with kickers and defenses. Now it's 18 rounds, no kickers, no defenses. Is this easier to prepare for now for you, or is it a little bit harder knowing that every pick counts a little bit more with, you know, 10 selections out the window? Um, yeah, it gets a little tighter there, but, uh, you know, overall, I actually, I, I prefer this, you know, it, it takes away, to me, it takes away some of the randomization, you know, you could sit there in a, you know, 28 rounder and you can, you can bang out, you know, 11 different receivers because, you know, how many do you need to really pop off in a given week? So it kind of takes away a little bit of that roulette aspect. So I prefer this. I prefer the smaller roster, the tighter game. Uh, you know, it'll just it'll keep everybody on their toes. I think. I don't know what's going on in this have draft, a- man. I'm up right now. I made a live pick earlier when we were talking before. You were like, "I hope you take some Cowboys." So I took Michael Gallup right there. <laughs> right now, I'm sitting well, here. You know, I, I tweeted it out. I mean, this is a great, great draft room. It really is. Great bunch of guys. Solid brains on all of them. And uh, I tweeted out. I said, uh, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And, I mean, really, um, every, you know, for the first four or five rounds, every pick right before me, you know, or like two picks in front of me, oh, my guy. And I was just like, damn. I'm like, you know, playing on the fly right now. It's been, uh, it's been entertaining, to say the least. Well, you end up getting Kenyon Drake here. Obviously, that, that's another pass catcher, too. Final question for you, Howard. Um, playing in, the, in, these, uh, in these formats before, do you end up putting a premium on these pass-catching running backs like Kenyon Drake where you like you understand like this, this guy is not probably going to be you know touching the ball 20, 25 times a game, but because most of his touches will be catches, and obviously the Raiders went out and signed him um, and, and gave him that money, and they're talking about using him more as a receiver, you got to put a premium on these pass-catching running backs. Is that something that has helped you in the pros versus Joes in, in the past is getting these pass-catching uh, running backs in the mid-rounds right now like you just did in the ninth? 
No, I haven't had enough success in the pros versus Joe's uh, tournaments here. And so I normally go very running back heavy, and I don't really buy into these pass-catching running backs. So I said, well, damn, if that's not working for me, I better shift strategy here a little bit and maybe start <laughs> taking some you know, wide receivers and, and focusing more on best player available as opposed to the heavy running back you know, plan I usually do in best ball. So I took a couple of shots here. I took a couple of swings. Um, you know, you, you have to figure uh, you're giving $11 million to Kenyon Drake. Eight and a half million of that is guaranteed. So you best be getting your money's worth here out of him. And listen, how many times have we all, you know, been a Josh Jacobs owner saying, oh, God, if only they would throw him the ball. They keep saying you're going to get him more involved in the passing attack. If this doesn't, like, cinch that up for you, uh, that Kenyon Drake is going to be the pass-catching running back here for the Raiders, uh, you know, you're clueless. Yeah, you can't, there's, you can't help it, right? I mean, like, you've done all you can. Uh, to inform everybody, so I get it, no question. And you will be informing everybody on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio tomorrow afternoon. We follow you on Twitter, at RotoBuzzGuy. Congratulations to all the accolades the Fantasy Alarm is, has been able to acquire over the last several years. Howard, I know you are a big part of that. Keep up the great work. We will talk to you again real soon, man. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for so much. Appreciate you guys having me on. Howard Bender, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fantasy Alarm. Uh, I want to bring in probably the most special guest we will have all night tonight. He is the co-host of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, joining us for the live analysis of the Pros versus Joe's draft tonight, league number one, Mike Concho. It is uh, my Mike Concho, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome to the program, man. Oh, you've got to love most special. What a designation to have, Bucky. Thank you. That's a, that's a first <laughs> for me, brother. Hey, this is a good-looking board, isn't it? Well, it's an interesting-looking board, um, and, and here's the thing, and, and I think you would agree with me on this. Um, a lot of times when you – well, okay, when we had the 28-round draft uh, with the kickers and defenses, I think the Joes really, really dominated that format. Um, then we switched to slims, and I think a lot – because all, the, all the, um, the players, the FFPC players that would get into this contest played the main event. They played 20-round managed drafts, you know, and now you're talking about an 18-round best ball. I think it leveled the playing field a little bit to make the, the, the pros a little bit closer than the Joes. It's weird for the uninitiated because you would just assume the pros are the ones that dominate this. Well, that's not always the case. In fact, most of the time it's a Joe that's winning the whole thing. Think last year. Hudson Kern Reed, Biplab Mandel, defending champs. They won it. Uh, two years, I, and this, it's really escaping me right now. I know it was a Joe that won it two years ago, too. And I'm going to have to look that up and find out who it was. But you have now you have an 18-round draft, and I think that this has leveled the playing field a little bit for the pros and, and uh, you know, not only for something that they're more accustomed to, but that the Joes are even less accustomed to. And you see a lot of the players who only do main events and, and uh, football guys stuff, now they're trying to get involved in the slims so they can go out and dominate. And I think we're seeing some of that tonight. That's exactly right, Balky. And the Joes have a situation – a long history and a resume of a lot of play, and they're playing more. They're playing earlier in the calendar year, and it shows a better feel for the players. You know, the, the professional guys, whether they're writers or broadcasters, however they uh, make their mark in fantasy football and make great contributions, uh, they are basically dealing with the whole fantasy world where our uh, our Joes are definitely 
uh, zeroed in on winning the FFPC in all its varied formats. And that's the difference. So, you know, when that's your purpose of being in fantasy football is to win at the FFPC, I, th- I think that explains their dominance over the recent years. Um, Danny Mueller and Jeremy Roach, the 2019 champions for the uh, pros versus Joes. I'd be remiss if I didn't remember. I'd be remiss if I did not rem- uh, mention that. And then uh, 2018, if we, if we look back in the history of this, 2018 was Caleb Alcorn and Sean Isaacs, Joes again, who won the whole thing back then. Um, so it, it, it has been uh, a situation where the, the Joes really have been dominant. We're seeing that again tonight. Um, all right, so, Farrell, as you look at the board, I don't know if, if – and we'll get back into the, the – we'll pick up the 10th round here um, after we had a bevy of, uh, of guests come on, which we really appreciate. Um, but anything stand out to you? I know we saw a lot of running backs early. We saw Darren Waller at the 105. Sigmund Bloom talked a little bit about that. Kyle Pitts, I, normally I'd say I'm surprised, but nothing surprises me with Kyle Pitts anymore. He goes in the third round tonight. The quarterbacks flip a little bit. We didn't see a second quarterback go off the board until the fifth round, and we saw Patrick Mahomes in the third, but then four go off in the fifth round. Uh, I'll stop talking here. What do you think has stood out to you as you look at this draft board? It immediately impressed me that the, that the first uh, nine rounds and ten rounds uh, that I looked at is it's very, very similar to what we're experiencing football guys and the main event. So you, you, I don't see, I necessarily see a best ball strategy at play here. It's beginning to take form where you're seeing uh, double tight ends. But but even in the uh, FFPC uh, main events, the early main events, the slow drafts that are off, you'll see that. So I'm a little bit uh, looking at the board here. You know, it, some of the guys that have talked uh, all season long, about the concept of uh, stacking. we got one of the greatest uh, proponents of stacking in this draft is our boys uh, Jay Reed and Scott Connor. And, uh, you know, I don't see that much of it. And maybe they're trying to get it, uh, and maybe we'll see more of it developing over the next few rounds. But that's kind of what's surprising me so far. Getting back into the uh, pick-by-pick um uh, conversation here. I can tell you that Ryan Lips led off the 10th round with Evan Engram. That is his first tight end. We'll see if that's going to be problematic. Now, it was still tight end 13. Um, it's not like he waited until there's 20 tight ends off the board, but he gets his second tight end in Evan Engram at the 10-01. Leonard Fournette is the third running back selected by Evan Silva. That goes with Saquon Barkley and Kareem Hunt. Jalen Waddle, the rookie receiver, uh, for the Dolphins goes to noted Dolphins fan Jeff Tiribasi as he gets uh, Waddle as his number five receiver. Herb Smith joins TJ Hawkinson as the tight ends on Billy Muzio's team for fantasy data. Elijah Moore, another rookie off the board, Reed and Connor. That's an interesting pick, too. Adam Troutman, a guy I really like, Farrell. Uh, Howard Bender takes him as his number one tight end at tight end 15. Farrell, I like Troutman this year, but maybe not as my number one tight end, right? I don't think that he would be my number one tight end either, and I'd like to catch up with the board and see who else is available. It looks like our guys from New England uh, are still available here, and that's where I would have yep. gone there if I was a Howard. Now, he's, he's, taking, uh, he's taking a shot with a player here that I have a lot of great respect for, and I, I'm proud to see the player in the league, but I remember that the player is a Dayton flyer, and I think there's going to be a learning curve. When I can draft a player – uh, from the SEC, from the Big Ten, 
that kind of experience. And Troutman's been in the league now. He's no longer a rookie. But still, that kind of experience at that kind of level is what I'm going to look for. Uh, I, I see a lot of more potential, I think, that I can count on, especially in the best ball, uh, than I would put in Troutman there in the 10th round. Latavius Murray, the pick after that, so Guzilak and Skoza lock up the uh, handcuff there to uh, Alvin Kamara. Darnell Mooney, followed by Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, the number one quarterback for Mike Reed there. A.J. Dillon, Jarvis Landry, and then Justin Fields completing the 10th round. So let's talk about Murray here for a second, Farrell. Um, and I think Reed and Connor talked about this on the last Chasing the Helmet, the importance of handcuffing, but not necessarily getting your own guy. Um, and, and I think it's fine in a 12-team in a league where you're just trying to give yourself a chance at the playoffs. But this is not your average run-of-the-mill 12-team league because second place gets nothing. And so if, if you're going to look for backup <laughs> running backs, sometimes the best way to do it is go after somebody else's uh, handcuff, right? You get their backup uh, running back. Your thoughts on, on doing something like that rather than handcuffing your own running back, go out and get somebody else's and really get loaded for Bear with a, an, a, an extraordinarily explosive team. He has a defined role, but it's not, the, it's not as uh, precious as a role of, of Ronald Jones, who was still on the board there. Uh, I think it becomes if you have Kamara and you realize that Murray, even Murray at 31 years old, is still has standalone value in that offense. And perhaps our drafter here thinks that uh, in the maturation of uh, Jameis Winston and the different kind of sets that both these players, Kamara and Murray, will be on the field at the same time. It's not the move that I would have made uh, with some of the running backs still available there, but hey, he can make a fine argument for it. He's got a nice crew of running backs with Gaskin, uh, James Robinson, and Alvin Kamara, so you know, perhaps uh, he could make that argument, uh, but I wouldn't have taken Murray there. Oh, there's your tight end um, run, Bucky. Yeah, exactly. I'm seeing that in the 11th round right now. My goodness. A lot of tight ends going off the board. Um, just real quick, um, Trevor Lawrence is your number one quarterback. I know it sounds a little crazy, quarterback 14 off the board here tonight for Mike Reed, but Farrell, when, if he is, if, if Urban Meyer really you know, turns him into something big in his rookie year and he turns out like a, a top six, top, top seven fantasy season, I mean, all of a sudden, this is looking like a really good pick. Now, there's some risk, and we'll talk about Mike Reed's team a little bit later because Kyle Pitts is his lone tight end right now. He's got a lot of rookies, actually, here on this team. In addition to Pitts and Lawrence, he's also got Najee Harris. He's also got Jamar Chase, Devontae, Sam, uh, Devontae, Samuel, Devontae Smith. So a lot of youth on this team. I don't know if that much youth is something that I could stomach um, uh, on this team, but he certainly is going for broke. I think perhaps our man here has been drafting a lot of dynasty and just can't shake the urge. But, you know, these guys are um, ex- exciting players. We're dealing with a full season schedule here. So the, we, the rookie players you, you think in this group would develop uh, as the season moves on and play better with the, with the season, uh, a long season. So perhaps, yes, I – I like. I would like to see what he does at quarterback. I would like to know who the other quarterbacks that link up with uh, Trevor Lawrence, either either by schedule um, or just whatever philosophy you can come up to put other quarterbacks with him. So the story's not told there yet. It'll be interesting to see who he puts with Lawrence. A lot of people were on the Shope and Krautwurst team one here uh, the, from the Deep End Fantasy Football podcast. 
but uh, not loving the, 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 the Fields pick so much. In fact, uh, Kern Reeve in the chat room says, don't like Fields in 10th for Team 1 right after Stafford. Needs running back. Cooling after white hot start. Um, Dave Sciotto, who also was drafted here before um, in, in this competition as an FFPC Joe, he says best ball changes it a little bit, but I agree Fields is early. Do you think Fields was early there, quarterback 15, um, in the uh, 10th round, Farrell? No, I don't. He'll probably add a third quarterback, but I don't think Fields is early. I have a lot of respect for this player, and if you look into res- the research of this player and begin to understand what he did uh, at the combine, what he did with the intelligence test, what he did with uh, his continual uh, coaching um, off uh, outside of the team with his individual private coaching, he's working down in uh, – in Houston, I believe, with a noted quarterback coach down there. I think what you've got here is a player that's going to be even a better NFL player than he was a college player, and it's going to come it's going to come quickly. So I can understand why Fields would be attractive here and a dual threat player into a situation that needs, you know, at Chicago Balky in a real world of football, these guys need a win real quick. They need this player to come out and play well early. Coach, general manager, everyone on this team needs this player to step up. I don't have a problem with that pick. Yeah, and it's going to make my boy Allen Robinson look even better if uh, Justin yep. Fields gets on the field early and uh, and uh, makes uh, makes Robinson look like a stud once again. All right, let's get into the eleventh round here. You kind of teased it earlier with all the running or with all the tight ends that went off the board here. Tony Pollard to Shope and Krautwurst, followed by Ronald Jones to Lev Norian. Then you have Trey Lance, who uh, Kern Reeves says he loves Trey Lance in this format. Trey Lance will be backing up Kyler Murray for Shane Hallam's squad in the three-hole. You have David Johnson going off the board um, in the, at the 11.04 to Mike Reed. Then uh, the tight end run begins. Blake Jarwin to Sigmund Bloom. Janu Smith to Mike Guzilak and Joe Scoza. Jared Cook to Howard Bender. Gerald Everett to Jay Reed and Scott Connor. Uh, then Matt Ryan, Naheem Hines to Muzio and Tirabasi, respectively. Michael Pittman off the board as the lone receiver selected in the 11th round. Evan Silva got him as his number six wideout. And then Rob Gronkowski to Ryan Lips as he goes back-to-back tight ends in Engram and Rob Gronkowski. Do you have a favorite tight end in, in the 11th? I mean, I know you talked about uh, the New England tight ends earlier, John o. Smith. Is he your favorite tight end selected in the 11th round? Uh No. My favorite tight end drafted in the 11th round is Gerald Everett. Now, I would have taken, um, and, and this is our boys Reed and Connor, correct? I would have probably taken Henry and um, hoped that Everett would work his way back around to me. I don't know. Uh, I'm surprised in this format that, that those players are available and that the competition let these guys get them so late. What a great job. I, Hunter Henry, an excellent downfield catching a ball catching tight end, uh, you know, Gerald Everett ready to explode in, in Shane Hallam's offense. This is a a, uh, a fantastic opportunity uh, for these guys that uh, in, in these uh, double digit rounds to pick up tight ends, their first tight ends off the board. Um, I, I really am shocked that Michael Pittman is on the board in the eleventh round. Makes me want to go Google and see if anything happened to Michael Pittman. You know, this is a player that <laughs> should be going much earlier. Uh, as well as his uh, as his associated receivers with the Colts, 
uh, Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton because it appears that they are still available as I scan the board. A lot going on in this round um, that uh, uh, there's some very, very good players here now. Uh, Hudson Kern-Reeve is going to be a little bit upset with me when I tell him that Trey Lance is going to remind him this year that Trey Lance is going to remind him this year of one quarterback named Taysom Hill down in New Orleans because I think that's what's going to look like with uh, Garoppolo and Trey Lance in that offense. It's going to resemble uh, Winston and Taysom Hill. Um, okay, so I, okay, I'm just kind of curious here. Trey Lance is, was a double-digit round pick. He goes yep. as quarterback 16. Are you saying that, and just I want to understand, make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Um, is that, a, I mean, is, is that just a, a waste of a pick in the 11th round? I mean, would Trey Lance represent value to you a little bit later? Or is he a guy that you just would stay away from completely this year in fantasy drafts because of the Garoppolo factor that you just mentioned? Mm, I just got, you know, smoke signals from the West Coast give me indication that they want to ease this player in, not as a number one quarterback, but as what they've seen uh, in New Orleans. And they also want to run the ball um, 450 to 500 times if they can keep those running backs healthy. And Trey Lance will contribute in that way. But uh, I think if uh, Garoppolo didn't have a role in this offense, he wouldn't be on this team at this point. And, you know, he's not a very celebrated pick by us in fantasy football, but he remains uh, with a role uh, with this 49er team. So I, from everything I understand, uh, I don't necessarily agree with how, if that is how the Niners use them, I don't necessarily agree that that's how they should, but they're going to try it in a different way uh, to win in that division. you got to remember, Balky, the Niners last year were 6-10, and 10, you know, so they're trying some new things. <laughs> they're going to try to bring it all together. And uh, I... Uh, I don't think Trey Lance, uh, Cameron Wentz, Kyle, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan to go later. That's not the pick that I would have made there. Interesting stuff. All right. Okay, Farrell, good analysis there. Let's get into the 12th round here. Alexander Madison, or no, I beg your pardon. Let's get into the uh, start of the 12th round, not the last pick, Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devontae Parker is going to be going at the 1201 to Ryan Lips. Jamal Williams and Daryl Henderson after that. Williams to Silva. Daryl Henderson to Jeff Tirbasi. Kirk Cousins is the second consecutive quarterback drafted by Muzio. His quarterbacks now, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. You mentioned Reed and Connor that you, you thought maybe Hunter Henry would be the pick in the 11th and maybe Everett would make it back around to him in the 12th. Well, they got Everett in the 11th and Henry in the 12th. So it kind of worked out the same way, just flipping back and forth between the two. Everett and Henry there back-to-back uh, tight ends for those guys. Jared Cook. And Carson Wentz, uh, beg your pardon, Carson Wentz is the selection for Howard Bender there as his number two quarterback. You have Corey Davis and J.D. McKissick going off the board to Guzzi Lacoscoza and Bloom, respectively. Austin Hooper, the second tight end, drafted here in the uh, 12th round, followed by a rookie, Rondale Moore in Arizona. He goes to Shane Hallam. Russell Gage, who we think is going to be the uh, opposite receiver to Calvin Ridley in Atlanta. Lebnorian takes him there. And then you have Alexander Madison, the uh, backup to um, uh, Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. Uh, Shope and uh, uh, Krautwurst take him there with the final pick of the 12th round. Farrell, there was a blurb about J.D. McKissick. I thought, I, I thought this was weird coming out of the WFT. 
I heard Peyton Barber lost weight because he's he's taking um, you know the, the running back job very seriously there because uh, he wants to lose the weight, be a little bit more spry, speedy, catch passes. And then I heard J.D. McKissick put on weight because he doesn't want to just be known as the speedy, spry guy that catches passes. So everybody's sort of evolving into like a, a, a feature back there. I guess that's that's what I'm uh, I'm gathering from that. You like McKissick in the twelfth round? He caught eighty balls last year. But there's a lot more competition this year. Diami Brown, Curtis Samuel, obviously there as well. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if McKissick can repeat that, but perhaps he doesn't have to for being a 12th round pick. We loved that player last year. We were on the podcast, Balky, and we we told everyone to get him in the uh, in the lineup as a flex play. Uh, yes, in this format, I like J.D. McKissick. Uh, he has a skill set after catching the ball, and he proves that he catches most everything thrown in his direction. He was very shifty around the goal line, rushes inside 10 yards. J.D. McKissick was hard to bring down. Kind of reminds you a little bit about Danny Woodhead, uh, players like that that were slippery rather than power runners down um, inside the 5- and 10-yard line. J.D. McKissick, good football player. That's a perfect format for him. Moving on here into the uh, – or no, I didn't want to move on. I, I wanted to talk to you about Russell Gage. Um, mm-hmm. I never really thought his value would skyrocket given the presence of Kyle Pitts and still uh, Calvin Ridley there as well. But um, – and the, and the fact that he was never really the, the quote-unquote sexy pick, right? Um, even nope. when, um, when Julio Jones would go down, nobody was, like, clamoring, like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to give up whatever I can to get Russell Gage on my team. Um, but do you think this year could be a different story for Russell Gage, given that Atlanta team should be passing quite a bit, given the fact that um, uh, um, Kyle Pitts is an unproven rookie, um, even though as talented as he is? I'm just kind of curious in your thoughts and what you think of Russell Gage in a slim draft as a 12th round pick. You know, I, I like it. Uh, I'm okay with it. I wouldn't have made it because when you when you go through the 13th round, almost every receiver taken there, I like a little better than Russell just because of the explosive aspect and not having to put him in the lineup. There's some interesting things going on uh, there in Atlanta with the receiving cores, how they're going to use. Uh, uh, Javion Hawkins, we've spoken a little bit and probably too much uh, about the player Williams who was drafted as a corner, but actually is getting some reps in slot receiver there. Uh, actually, a uh, player out of Boise State that I, I admired as a kick returner, and I thought that's what he was going to be, but it looks like they're going to find other ways to put the ball in his hands. So I, I really would like to see uh, – I think Russell Gage has done what he's going to do for fantasy players. Last year, 72 receptions. It were a quiet 72 receptions. He's a good player. If he makes sense, I'm looking for other Falcons in this drafter's lineup. Uh, I don't necessarily see them, but I think he's got uh, his receivers, Jar- Jarvis Landry, uh, Russell Gage. He's, he's bringing in some receivers that uh, – are going to catch about 70 balls, and they're not going to be that exciting for him. I would like to see some uh, explosive youth in his receiver core the rest of the way. Um, by the way, you are listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Footballers live coverage of the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes. If you don't normally listen to the show, I can tell you that we do broadcast every Friday night at 10, 9 central um, live on blogtalkradio.com. But you can also get on-demand streaming available for listening anytime 
via hsfpower.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon uh, Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker on your iPhone or Android, and also uh, just added to the iHeartRadio network. So exciting stuff there for the HSFF Hour. Uh, we love to have you hop in the chat room going forward on any of our shows that we broadcast during the year. We always get a special uh, high-stakes fantasy football player on every episode. Moving on to round 13, it is Cole Komet off the board here at the 1301. That is the second tight end drafted by uh, the deep enders, Shope and Krautwurst. Then you have T.Y. Hilton to Lev Norian. Rashad Bateman, back-to-back rookie receivers for Shane Hallam. He did say it when he called in. He's like, look, I'm probably going to be drafting some uh, rookies later. And I beg your pardon, it's three straight rookies because he went with Trey Lance, too. So Lance, Mm -hmm. Moore, and Bateman, we are officially in rookie mode for the fake pigskins, Shane Hallam. Devin Singletary off the board after that to Mike Reed. That is his number five running back followed by a little mini receiver run here. Paris Campbell to Sigmund Bloom, Marvin Jones to Guzilak and Skoza, Traquan Smith to Howard Bender. Uh, then you have Emmanuel Sanders to Reed and Connor. Uh, Darrington Evans, Philip Lindsay, a couple of running backs there. Evans to Muzio and Lindsay to Tiribasi, followed by Henry Ruggs to Evan Silva, and then Eric Ebron. Ryan Lips will have his third tight end in round 13. Farrell, would you like, I mean, you know, 18 rounds, I don't know if you want to have two tight ends, three tight ends. Some people would say, and we'll see what Shane Hallam does here in, in Sigmund Bloom after they take tight ends in the first round. Maybe they, oh, no, I, uh, they've already backed up their, <laughs> their tight ends. I, I'm sorry about that. I'm looking at this wrong. But you will see some teams, if they do draft the elite tight end, that'll be it for them. And they'll just say, well, listen, come hell or high water, if Kelsey or Waller bust for me and my team's dead in the water anyway, I'd much rather um, – you know, build up depth elsewhere. Do you like having what, you know, what Ryan Lips did here? He waits until round 10 to draft his first tight end, but then he goes three out of his next four picks using the uh, picks on tight end. Do you like that strategy there for him? I uh, particularly do. When, when I, you know, we're in a dual flex situation, these tight ends with our 1.5 points can, can produce points in any games, especially late in the season, especially with the young quarterbacks we got in the league. We've got a lot of young quarterbacks in the league. Uh, gifted tight end that can catch balls is, is the greatest friend for the young quarterbacks. I see nothing wrong with it. I, I like uh, uh, our team that took uh, Gerald Everett first. I, I continue to like what what they're doing. We're In this draft uh, of the 13th round, uh, Mr. Silva is in the 11th uh, position. Is that correct? Yes, correct. He's he's got to have the biggest smile on his face of anyone as he's waited. He waited on Pittman and got him, and now he's waited on Henry Ruggs and got him. And you know, Henry Ruggs is uh, is going higher in uh, I believe a higher draft position in uh, football guys, but in this format, he's a more valuable player. So I think that's a real steal. Uh, in the 13th round with the uh, with the second year Raider. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at again the ADP data um, after uh, over the last five days according to FantasyMojo.com. Henry Ruggs on average wide receiver 53 at the 11, 12. Uh, Evan Silva gets him as wide receiver 62 at the 13, 12. So that's two full rounds of value. So nice work there um, by Evan Silva. And that, by the way, you look at his roster right now. He's got a lot of talented receivers on that squad. You know, you, you think of, we just talked about Ruggs and Pittman. 
He's also got Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Marquise Brown, DJ Chark, Brandon Cooks. I mean, there's, I mean, how many number one receivers is that on that squad? That's at, at least four, five, five by my count, maybe six if you count Pittman. And and certainly we'll we'll see what happens with with Las Vegas this year. But that is a lot of targets. And once again, this is a standard starting lineup for um, for the FFPC: a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, two flexes. So I mean, he technically could be flexing out for these receivers each and every week after the uh, the scores are tabulated. Um, let's move on, Farrell, and, and talk a little bit about the um, the 14th round here as it is now completed. Um, Tevin Coleman. Uh, goes to Ryan Lips. That's his number five running back there. Anthony Ferkser is the second tight end drafted by Evan Silva. Tua Tungavailoa backs up Joe Burrow for uh, Jeff Tirabasi, another Dolphin there for the Corn Fins franchise. Gabriel Davis off the board to Billy Muzio, and then Zach Ertz, the third tight end drafted by Reed and Connor. Looking forward after that, it is three straight running backs. The new Tampa Bay Buccaneer Giovanni Bernard goes to Howard Bender. Joshua Kelly goes to Guzilak and Skoza, then James White to Sigmund Bloom there, the uh, Patriots pass-catching running backs. So you're seeing McKissick and James White drafted by Bloom, two out of his last three picks, pass-catching running backs. Baker Mayfield will back up Trevor Lawrence for Mike Reed, and then you look at Chuba Hubbard to Shane Hallam there. And by my count, that's four straight rookies that he has drafted. Uh, Hayden Hurst, <laughs> the third tight end drafted by Lev Norian, and then you have Ramondre Stevenson. The new, the new New England Patriot goes to Shope and Krautwurst uh, at the final pick of the 14th round. Farrell, how do you look at this Chargers running back situation? Obviously, Austin Eckler. Um, I think it, what, what was the stat I saw? It's like Eckler and, and Najee Harris are like the only two running backs being drafted. Um, and I don't know what the what the drop off was, but it's basically them. And then you got to wait forever for another Charger or another Steeler running back to get selected. What do you make up of the, the backup situation behind Eckler? Because he went down last year, and trying to figure that out was kind of a mess. Do you like Kelly? I mean, is Justin Jackson going to make the team? There, there's other guys there, too, as, as we look at the Chargers' backfield behind Eckler. Uh, with the rookie that was selected, there's going to be one odd man out between the rookie and, and Balky. I don't have my nose, and I can't recall his name right now on the tip of my tongue. But you put Kelly and J.J. into that mix. Now, Kelly had a wonderful camp, really turned some heads last year, but it's still too early to determine if he's going to be the backup running back. He's the guy that I'm going to bet on. He had issues with ball security last year, hurt his confidence a little bit hurt the confidence that the team had in him and some of the trust. But I think Kelly's a very, very good ball player, and he did a lot without a traditional training camp or preseason last year. So I'm betting on Kelly here. I don't believe he had to be drafted this early. I think he would have gotten more value with some other players and he would have waited on Josh. But you know what? Um, if, if he likes Kelly as much as I do, I can understand drafting him. I would have preferred to have had James White that went right behind him. Or Gio Bernard that went right in front of him because those two guys are going to have uh, tremendous roles with uh, you know with their respective teams coming up this year. That rookie running back from the Chargers that was on your, the tip of your tongue was Larry Roundtree. No surprise that Shane right. Callum was the one presenting that in the chat room. As uh, maybe he Thank was thinking should. about drafting him too. Maybe he still will draft him. I don't know. I'm Probably sorry should. we shouldn't be talking about players not not drafted yet, but we are anyway. Um, everybody knows what they're doing here. Jalen Rager leads things off here. 
Yeah, exactly. That's that's my point. Jalen Rager, uh, the the first selection of the fifteenth round to Shope and uh, Krautwurst, the deep enders take Jalen Rager as their number six wideout. Daniel Jones backing up Dak Prescott for Lev Norian. Brian Edwards finally not a rookie for Shane Hallam, although he is a young second year player. Potential breakout. Phil, you like Brian Edwards in, in Las Vegas this year? I do. I don't see the defined role or the the opportunity for him like I see for Ruggs, especially with Kenyon Drake there. But Edwards is a very good football player, and he will have games in this format, especially in the red zone. He's an excellent target. Uh, After he goes, his uh, real-life teammate Derek Carr goes, and that is the third quarterback drafted by Mike Reed out of the fourth spot here in the 15th round. Royan Fitzpatrick goes to Sigmund Bloom here in the 15th. Uh, that is going to be backing up Tom, yeah, Tom Brady. Uh, he already has Brady. He gets Fitzpatrick as his backup. Cole Beasley off the board to Guzilek and Skoza, followed by Terrace Marshall, the Carolina Panther, to Howard Bender. Nelson Aguilar uh, to Reed and Connor here at the 1508. Then we have a backup Seattle running back, Rashad Penny, going to FantasyData.com's Billy Muzio. Kenneth Gainwell after that to Jeff Tirabasi, another rookie running back. Sam Darnold, followed by Tariq Cohen to complete the 15th round. Darnold to Silva, Cohen to Lips. Farrell, Kenneth Gainwell. We talked a little bit about this with, with Shane Hallam about his Miles Sanders selection in the fourth round, how he didn't. I said he should feel good about that, considering where the draft capital you had to invest in Miles Sanders last year, and now you know he's getting them here at the end of the fourth round, almost the fifth round. I said he should feel pretty good about that value. He didn't feel great about it. <laughs> and, and, and that's maybe more of an indictment on Sanders. But, um, you know, you have Gainwell there, on Johnson also there as well. How are you treating the Eagles' backfield right now? I mean, is, is Sanders an investment for you in the fourth round, or would you get somebody else later or just stay away in general? I drafted Sanders early, uh, but I've been away from it lately. I am warming up to the idea of uh, giving Jalen Hurts a shot on a roster. Uh, our beloved uh, Bobby Sangerman uh, is in my ear every day about Jalen Hurts, and I think Bobby's right about a lot of things, and he may be right about Hurts. And I've, I've paid a lot of attention to this player's uh, training, um, and, and I've been impressed with Hurts. So there's where I think the ball's going to go, both in the air and on the ground. Uh, so if I end up with any any other Eagles, it's likely to be Hurts or maybe the tight end Dallas Goddard somewhere along the way. I don't know about you, um, but I'm looking at these, a couple of teams here. I think it's just two. Yeah, it's two teams right now that have three quarterbacks, and they're back-to-back. The number four team, Mike Reed, the number five team, Sigma Bloom from footballguys.com. Lawrence Mayfield, Carr for Reed, Brady Fitzpatrick, Roethlisberger, for Bloom. Farrell, 18 rounds, and in, in you're investing, you know, essentially a sixth of your picks into a position where you can only play one per week. Is that overkill? I mean, I, I think I'd be going one or two quarterbacks. I don't think I could bring myself to drafting three, but now we see Lev Norian also get a third quarterback here, too. Maybe I'm missing the boat. Maybe the way to do it is a, a third quarterback if you are indeed waiting until round eight or round 10 to take your first one like Bloom and Reed did? I'm going to get three guys in this format, but the people that do it, I want them to make a case for doing it. I want them to tell me right now which games they're going to start which quarterback. I One of my favorite pairings of quarterback is uh, uh, Carson Wentz and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, another 
excellent uh, pairing is uh, Dak Prescott and uh, their car. Uh, if they can make a case for why they're putting those quarterbacks together, uh, I like it even better. The Brady Fitzpatrick Roethlisberger trio. Um, I just how many how many years total of quarterbacks is that? I think that's that's pretty cool. Can you get can you get 120 years out of that? I think you might be able to. Um, <laughs> I, I like uh, I, yeah, sometimes you, with two. If they're the right to and they link up perfectly in a schedule, um, I think you're in a really good situation. Uh, these uh, uh, the, the Western uh, division of the AFC uh, that have to that have to uh, play the uh, Redskins this year might give me some uh, might might make me want to stay away from some of those guys that are going a little earlier. I don't know, just a thought, but. Yeah, if I if I'm going to get three quarterbacks, it's because they make perfect sense on a week by week. I, I'm already sitting here trying to predict which one's going to be my leading score week by week. Yeah, and and I mean, I guess you you don't have to necessarily worry about starting them in this format, but you do still kind of mm-hmm. kind of project the the matchups a little bit in the schedule, which is what we have access to right now. Uh, moving on into the uh, 16th round, lot of receivers this is a receiver heavy round. Sterling Shepard to Ryan Lips, Rashad Perriman to Evan Silva, John Brown at the 1603 to Jeff Tirabasi. Devontae Booker, I want to talk a little bit about him in a second here, to Billy Musio. Then you have uh, Christian Kirk and Demarcus Robinson going to Reed and Connor and Howard Bender, respectively. Daryl Williams, one of the backup Chiefs running backs, a guy I've been drafting a lot, actually, to my own detriment, maybe, but it makes me feel better <laughs> that a talented guy like Mike Guzilek is drafting him in the 16th round. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, mentioned him uh, to Sigmund Bloom. That's his third quarterback. Alan Lazard to Mike Reed. Javian Hawkins, the rookie running back uh, in Atlanta, going to Shane Hallam, followed by Deshaun Watson and Van Jefferson to complete the 16th round. Devontae Booker, Farrell. Saquon Barkley, um, we talked about this earlier in the show, was, was, was not really talking a whole lot about, or he was avoiding questions about how his knee is when he's going to be ready, what he's going to be doing when training camp starts, when he's going to get on the field. The Giants already previously to this said that they're going to ease him back in. They don't really have a deep roster in the running back room behind Barkley, but Devontae Booker's there. We know he can catch passes. I don't know. I I think I should be targeting Devontae Booker in my drafts late, uh, like Billy Muzio did there, because that, that could prove to be pretty worthwhile, even if it's only for like a month. I was pleased with play that the Raiders, uh, this player's contribution to the Raiders last year. He carried the ball like 120, 130 times. He had good yards, uh, good yards per carry on a team where that was a little difficult to get. Yeah, I'm, I'm all with Booker here. If you don't trust Barkley, and I see Barkley in a lot of our drafts going uh, later and later uh, in that first round. If you don't trust Barkley. Um, this is how you steal someone else's handcuff. And, uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Jeff Caravasi, by the way, I think that's a grand pick in that round. He needed a receiver, and he got one that uh, may turn out and has been predicted uh, by one of the guests on our High Sex Fantasy show may turn out to be the leading Raider receiver. So that's a terrific pick there. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, it, it's it's hard for me to, to disagree. Um, I mentioned the Daryl Williams thing. 
Um, and mm-hmm. he is a player that um, I, I had drafted in a few spots. And now I'm wondering, like, am, am I doing it wrong? Because, you know, obviously you want to get the backup behind uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in Kansas City because of how high-powered that offense is. But at the same time, I, don't, I guess the more I think about it, is Darrell Williams that guy? You know, I don't know if he is or not. You, you have um, Darwin Thompson there. I mean, Jarek McKinnon, they signed him. Eli McGuire is there right now. I, I think he could be one of those players this year. Um, and I, I, don't, I shouldn't even say this out loud because I'm not going to want to hear it, that, that everybody thinks is going to be the guy, and then they just end up doing, like, you know, a, an exchange of, like, two or three guys back there, you know, with McGuire, McKinnon, Williams, um, or, or whoever. Mm-hmm. you think Williams is the guy if, if Edwards Alaire was the, was the go-down, or is he going to be part of a committee? No, I think you're having buyer's remorse, and it's perfect timing for you to have buyer's remorse as you prepare to make your trip for drafting season to Kentucky. Now, let me tell you, Buck, Right. Um, we went through a situation last year with, with uh, CEH. He was in a situation where uh, a lot of people considered that they wasted a first-round draft pick on him, and, and I, don't, I don't feel that. He, we had a player here that had – 181 carries, uh, caught some balls, showed some explosiveness. But that production was compromised when, through the front office, uh, a coach, who in the, in the formidable coach that Andy Reid is, uh, he had to compromise the season by putting Le'Veon Bell on the field. I don't believe that's going to happen again. He's not going to compromise CEH's performance again this year. I, we talked about it, I think, this past podcast uh, that we had Friday night, this offense will support an elite tight end, an elite wide receiver, a quarterback that can hit every receiver, and that's not for fantasy purposes. That's just for his football purposes. That's who his third target is, and one dynamic running back. CEH, a better year. The other guys are just complementary pieces that are not of fantasy value. The Draft Sharks Deep Enders, uh, Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst lead off round 17, the penultimate round here of our uh, Pros vs. Joe's coverage tonight. Mo Ali Cox uh, goes there. Then you have Jacoby Myers and Nico Collins. So you have um, uh, a guy that was a big-time waiver pickup last year, followed by a guy who is gaining steam and going up draft boards this year as a rookie in Nico Collins. He goes to Shane Hallam here. O.J. Howard is going to go to Mike Reed as his number two, uh, beg your pardon, number three tight end there to go with Kyle Pitts and Austin Hooper. Uh, then we have a couple of Lions receivers going back to back. Tyrell Williams to Sigmund Bloom, Amon Ra St. Brown to Mike Guzilek and Joe Scoza. The rookie quarterback for the Jets, Zach Wilson, is the third quarterback drafted by Howard Bender. He has Justin Herbert, Carson Wentz, and now Zach Wilson. Byron Pringle to Reed and Connor. Jamison Crowder to Muzio. Then you're looking at Samaje Pirine to Jeff Tirabasi. Uh, Cam Newton, the third quarterback to Evan Silva. And then A.J. Green to Ryan Lips. I guess i got to take back what I said about three quarterbacks, Farrell. Now we have one, two, three, four, <laughs> five teams with three quarterbacks. I, I guess I didn't know what I was talking about. And by the way, that's only 29 quarterbacks drafted. There's still technically three starting quarterbacks out there. Well, no, because now we have a sixth team that just selected their third quarterback, and that is quarterback number 30. So technically there's still two starters out there. All right, so we look back in, in round 17. There was some buzz about Nico Collins in the, um, in the uh, Blog Talk radio chat room right now talking about um, – uh, how many dynasty shares Shane Hallam has of Nico Collins. 
Uh, Kern Reeves saying these garbage points gold because they're going to be down in, in every game. Um, and I'm kind of with them. I, I was, you know, we got the Kentucky uh, rookie drafts going on right now. I've been targeting Nico Collins. I haven't always been getting him. But I like this player this year, not just for Dynasty Farrell, but for redraft too. 18th round magic. He's going in some of the same areas as as receivers with question marks and opportunities like Traquan Smith. Uh, Collins is a, a testing freak. Uh, we shall see uh, if the uh, if the ball can be delivered to him. Now, if you believe that Watson's going to play quarterback, how oh, what a great what a great opportunity this is. So it's still to be determined, but, yeah, you could do a lot of worse things than Collins here. And who was our drafter uh, that took Williams? That took uh, Darrell Williams or Tyrell Williams? Uh, Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams was Sigmund Bloom, my friend. Ah, uh, congratulations, Sigmund Bloom. Now, there's a man with a good, long memory. In the last six games that Tyrell Williams was on a football field, he converted a touchdown in each of those games he missed last year. He's ready to come back with a vengeance, and I think this is a this is an excellent player uh, to be basically ignored ignored in in many of our drafts. And what a great player for this format! So that's a pick that I think could score six or eight times across the season for you. Um, the draft is now complete um, with Mr. Irrelevant being Deami Brown to Shope and Krautwurst. I, we'll get to the 18th round in a little bit, but one other player, as long as we're talking about flyer wide receivers here in the 17th round, and by the way, there was a bunch of them picked, Jacoby Myers in New England. You think he's going to be the number one receiver there this year? Because it seems like um, the buzz um, over the last, I don't know, month and a half, you don't really hear a whole lot about New England receivers except for Jacoby Myers and he could be the number one guy there. Are you subscribing to that theory? Absolutely not. I think he's a limited ball player. I think we've seen the best play out of him. Uh, Nelson Aguilar will get a lot of targets. We'll see if Nelson can catch him. He doesn't necessarily haul him in. as well. Makes all the tough ones and, and doesn't make the easy ones. But with the tight end-centric <laughs> offense and what they're going to do with James White, uh, Jacoby Myers is, is just a a relative – uh, you you used to refer to the tight end that was with uh, Green Bay and moved on to Philadelphia as a catch-it-and-fall-down player. I kind of think that's how Myers is as a wide receiver. He's not a player to get excited about. I don't for you in this format. Hey, I'll tell you this. Torrey Holt turned a Hall of Fame career out of catching it and falling down, which kept him healthy <laughs> and, and it kept him on the field. So it can work. Torrey Holt's in the Hall of Fame, right? Or am I making that up? I know I, Isaac Bruce. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think that's Yeah, maybe he's not. Yeah. Well, okay, in any event, he's if probably it wasn't been a Hall of Fame career. Fame, yeah, oh, I'm sure he has, yeah. yeah. Maybe he gave the Isaac Bruce uh, induction speech. I have no idea. Um, okay, so the 18th round, let's get to this here at Farrell. Uh, Ty Johnson to Ryan Lips. Cordero Patterson to Evan Silva to complete his draft. C.J. Uzoma to Jeff Tirabasi as his third tight end. Marquez yeah. Valdez-Scantling to Billy Muzio. Dwayne Eskridge to uh, Reed and Connor. Then Denzel Mims, the uh, Jets receiver that's uh, kind of fallen out of favor, I guess, based on the latest reports there. Howard Bender goes with the, uh, the Jets stack, and I know he's a Jets fan. He gets Zach Wilson and Denzel Mims as his final two selections. Taysom Hill goes to Mike Guzilek and Joe Scoza. Tyler Conklin 
the tight end um, from uh, where is he now? He's the, with the Jets. Right? Oh no, that's Tyler Croft. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota is Tyler Conklin. Yes, yeah, thank you. Sammy Watkins is uh, Mike Reed. Dalton Schultz, the third tight end selected by Shane Hallam, and then a pair of receivers to end it: Darius Slayton to Lev Norian and Deami Brown to Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst. Let's talk uh, a little bit of the Jets' backfield here, Farrell. Ty Johnson's. Um, there's been a couple of positive reports about. Not positive reports, but just saying that he's been getting some run, or he did get some run with the number ones there. Um, is, is that a back? Is that backfield a mess, or or is it Michael Carter there? I, you know, and you, I, I'm going to stop myself right now. You're going to say Tevin Coleman is the guy to own, right? I'm going to say that Coleman and Carter are two players. If you believe in either one, you should own them both. I, I believe in Tevin Coleman just like the coaching staff does. You know, there was no dust settled on free agency when they signed that player. That should tell you something. They had familiarity about him. And you can go uh, you can go to YouTube, punch in Tevin Coleman, see him catch the ball and run, run past and around players. He doesn't necessarily run through players, but he's got a wiggle and escapability, and he doesn't get hit much. He's, he's, he's perfect for the zone-blocking scheme that they're going to utilize there. Um, Tevin Coleman will be all right, and Carter was an excellent college player. Uh, big yards per carry, uh, uh, unbelievable, almost eight yards per carry, 7.7, 7.8. There's no reason not to like that player. In this format, having both of them would be fantastic. Does our drafter have both of them or just one? Uh, he, uh, well, well, you know what's interesting here is Ryan Lips has Tevin Coleman, and then he gets Ty Johnson late, but he does not. Mm-hmm have Michael Carter. Michael Carter went to Howard Bender, who, um, uh, again, like I said, he's a Jets fan, and now he's got three Jets on his team, uh, Wilson, Carter, and Mims, all on that squad. Very interesting stuff there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at, you know, you talk about a Coleman-Carter stack, Farrell, it's it's a pretty affordable one that they, you can get in this format. Kevin Coleman, 1507, running back 56. Michael Carter in this format, running back 30 at the 708. I mean, that's not a ton of draft capital that you, that you have to invest. Um, and especially when you consider it being best ball, you don't have to worry about starting which guy and which week. You know, you, whenever they accrue the stats, they'll accrue the stats for you. So I think that there is something to be said for that. Cheap stacks. I'm all about cheap stacks. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I like doing this show or, you know, this coverage on this show, when we switch to the slim – you know, we do the 28-round drafts. That's all fine and good, and it's, it's you know, it, and, and it's really enjoyable to go through that deep of a dive, but it does not always give us a lot of time to do team-by-team team analysis. Well, now the Slims, we can do that, and I want to go through that right now here with you, Farrell, and just get your thoughts on each team. Um, the, uh, in fact, here, you know what I'm going to do? No, I can't. Oh, maybe I can't do that. I'm going to see if I can tweet it out. Um, Right now, uh, the if you go to at Eric Balkman, um, right now, uh, because the, the the YouTube is obviously cut off because we can't fit all the um, the picks on there. I'm going to tweet out the uh, draft board, the final draft board um, for the Pros versus Joes competition for League Number One, and you can go there and look at the the full the full board. Um, and then uh, you'll be able to look at it and give your honest analysis here. So I'm just going to go through this. The tweet is out there right now. Um, I'm going to give my analysis on, on the uh, defenders here, the Deep End Fantasy Football podcast host, Mike Shope, and uh, 
and Adam Krautwurst here. The quarterbacks are Matthew Stafford and Justin Fields. The running backs are Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Ramondre Stevenson. Receivers are Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, Jerry Judy, Mike Williams, Jalen Rager, Van Jefferson, Deami Brown. Tight ends, Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, Mo Alley-Cox. Farrell, I, 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 I think, I listen, I'm a Packers fan, but I think Justin Fields is going to have a great season this year. So I really like the quarterbacks here. Obviously, the pairing of uh, McCaffrey and Jones is awesome, but I do kind of agree with the BTR chat that they left themselves a little bit naked at running back here um, to getting Pollard as their number three in the 11th. Receivers are really fantastic, um, and I, I like Cole Komet to take a step forward this year. We're getting some buzz on Mo Alley-Cox a little bit. I think Tyler Higby's going to have a great season. So if they can keep the running back core relatively healthy, this is going to be a, t- a tough team to beat. Yeah, they're very, very light at running back, and they could have done things differently uh, with Pollard and Madison, you said. And I don't like both those players, but not on the same team. Receivers are very, very good. I, I think this team is, is uh, you know, is in the upper quarter, perhaps, uh, but uh, their lack of uh, running back depth is going to you know, likely end up hurting them. Moving on to Lev Norian's team, the FFPC Joe drafting out of the second spot. Quarterbacks, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson. Running backs, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Ronald Jones. Receivers, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Jarvis Landry, Russell Gage, T.Y. Hilton, Jacoby Myers, Darius Slayton. Tight ends are Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, and Hayden Hurst. Fairly, you look at the quarterbacks here, and my goodness, Prescott, and you think about Watson, if he comes back this year, that could be huge. And you have uh, Daniel Jones there as well, which, I mean, you may not even need him if Prescott and Watson are performing up to snuff. Um, they get the San Francisco backfield, essentially, or Lebnorian gets the San Francisco backfield here with Sermon and Mostert. You already have uh, Cook and Jacobs as the top two running backs there. Um, I, I guess I'm not a huge fan of the receivers, but I don't have to be a huge fan of the receivers in this format because it's best ball. I like Logan Thomas. I like Robert Tunyon. I don't know about the Hayden Hurst pick, but I think this is a very competitive team tier that we see uh, built out of the two spot. I like that Hayden Hurst pick a great deal, and I, um, for reasons we talked about and everybody knows that we, we just think that Pitts is going to be in the slot and Hurst is going to be out there with him. Uh, the running back is uh, at the 49ers is a sensational uh, pick to, to put those two guys together. And you said Ronald Jones is on this team? Yes, sir. Yeah, so there's there's my running back uh, from down at Tampa, a young running back that pushed 1,000 yards last year, and I don't believe the team's going to forget uh, what he contributed. I I very much like this team. <laughs> I would uh, I would like to have I would like to have this team. And if their quarterback comes back, what a great situation they're going to be in. Yeah, Shane Hallam kind of echoing your thoughts, Farrell, in the chat room right now. He said, if Watson plays, that team can be scary. Uh, no question. I like that squad built by Lev Norian, the FFPC high stakes player. There, um, Shane Hallam. We talked to him earlier in the broadcast from FakePigskin.com. Uh, you are looking at Kyler Murray and Trey Lance as his quarterbacks. Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, James Conner, A.J. Dillon, Chuba Hubbard, J.B. Hawkins at running back. The receivers, Michael Thomas, Brandon Ayuk, Will Fuller, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, 
Brian Edwards, and Nico Collins. And then the tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Noah Fant, and Dalton Schultz. Obviously, the tight ends are awesome. I know you don't like the Trey Lance pick, but Kyler Murray can cover a lot of that up. Um, the receivers, yep. there's a bunch of them, but, I mean, they're young. It's tough to project guys like Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Nico Collins when they're rookies. And then the running backs, they don't – you know, nobody – I don't think there's an anchor there. I, I know Shane would probably mm-hmm. tell you Chris Carson would be the anchor, and I could see how that could work out. But I don't really envision him staying healthy over a 17-game season. And then you have Miles Sanders who could be part of a running back by committee. So if he hits on the running backs and, and, and um, you know, one of those rookie receivers hits, yeah, this could be a competitive team, but I think there's some holes here, holes that not even Kelsey, Kyler Murray, and Noah Fant can patch up. I like what he did with Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore will find his place with this team. And we're dealing with a 17-week season, correct, here, Balky? So we're in a good situation. Yes for Rondell Moore to emerge, he's going to have to get a great deal from Kelsey. And Kelsey and Fan are going to have to score for him every single week. Uh, he uh, actually, Shane, in the in the chat room uh, said, it's not sexy on paper with the two tight ends, but I like my team. Stacked Murray, Connor, and Rondell, uh, Lance, and Lance with uh, Brandon Ayuk. So there is some stacking there could come into play. Sometimes stacking, uh, stacking can save you for sure, especially if you're moving. My, and that is a dad joke, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mike Reed <laughs> is up next in the four spot here. Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, and Derek Carr at quarterback. Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Chase Edmonds, David Johnson, Devin Singletary at running back. The receivers are Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Curtis Samuel, Michael uh, Hardman, Alan Lazard, and Sammy Watkins. Tight ends, Kyle Pitts, Austin Hooper, and O.J. Howard. Farrell, for this squad, as the rookies go, so does Mike Reed. I mean, Harris, Pitts, uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. Uh, you're, you're looking at a lot of rookies on this squad, and not back end of the draft rookies like we saw with Shane Hallam. These are front end of the draft rookies. Jamar Chase is the number two receiver. Devontae Smith is his number three receiver. Najee Harris is the number two running back. Kyle Pitts, number one tight end. So he's obviously counting on the rookie class. Now, these guys are talented, but I, sometimes I, I feel like you can take too much of a risk, um, an unnecessary risk. And I don't know if Mike Reed needed to go as young as he did. Um, certainly, it's got the talent to, to do it. Will, will the production match the talent in year one? Mm, I'm not sold. He didn't have to do that, but he probably got on a roll, and he's it was probably the guys that he's been studying, and he felt comfortable with them. And I can't com- I, you can't complain about the talent level of these players. So he's in a situation where they do hit. And I like what he did at the tight end situation. I'll say it again because Pitts is going to be uh, first one since Ditka. So it gets it gets pretty nice to get to get the one thousand yards receiving. So I it's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. I think that uh he's going to have a very exciting team and he's gonna have a thrill um uh, watching this team. And, you know, he may be like uh, we're sitting at the Kentucky Derby and here comes a horse along the rail uh that has a has a straight run to the finish line because he may finish very, very strong. And like the Kentucky Derby, there's only one winner in this draft, too. And if, if, if this happens with Mike Reed with all these rookies, he could be said winner. We will see. Uh, Sigmund Bloom from FootballGuys.com. Cool to talk to him earlier in the program. His quarterbacks are Tom Brady, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Ben Roethlisberger. The running backs are Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, J.D. McKissick, and James White. Running uh, Wide receivers, Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd, Darnell Mooney, Paris Campbell, Tyrell Williams. Tight ends are Darren Waller, Blake Jarwin, Tyler Conklin. Farrell, Sigmund Bloom won his league in this draft last year. And I think this draft, as we look at it, we see how he did it. We see why he did it. He clearly has the chops to succeed in this league. I think Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo has him ranked as the number one pros versus Joe's player of all time. I don't, you know, I look at this, yeah, I guess the, the running backs aren't great, but, I mean, Mixon could be on the snap uh, on the field for 80% of the snaps this year. He locks up the Ravens' backfield with Dobbins and Edwards, gets the pass-catching running backs and McKissick and James White late. The receivers are deep and good. The tight ends are very good. Obviously, Waller leading the way there. And then Brady Fitzpatrick and Roethlisberger, I, I, I guess I, I really can't pick out a, a significant hole, a significant thing that's really going to hamstring this team. He got value at every pick, and when you have 18 players and you got to score 10, you got 10 scorers here every week. You can't put these guys on the field and not get production. All of them are going to produce, and he's going to have some magical weeks, especially for what I expect from Waller. I, Waller was what the fourth player picked in this thing tonight. Fifth, he was number five. Fifth player picked in this thing. You know, yeah, yeah. I expect Waller to have a better year. Uh, than last year. We still haven't seen the best that he has to offer, and it's going to be fantastic. This is a great draft for this player. Yeah, I agree. I think Sigmund Blue did a great job tonight for sure. Uh, over to Mike Guzilak and Joe Skoza's whole Hummers and Goose Eggs franchise. They were drafting at number <laughs> six tonight. Um, Ryan Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, and Taysom Hill are the quarterbacks. Alvin Kamara, Miles Gaskin, James Robinson, Latavius Murray, Joshua Kelly, and Daryl Williams at running back. Receivers, A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, Cole Beasley, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and then the tight ends, George Kittle and Janu Smith. All right, so this is another squad that I like. I think that, you know, I Taysom Hill, whatever, that's fine. But the combo of Tannehill and Hurts, boy, I really like that. That is going to be really, really good to help him for every single week of the season. He locks up the Saints' backfield. He gets James Robinson, who, again, I know they got Travis Etienne, but Robinson is still going to factor um, for a lot of snaps in the backfield. Farrell, I know you like Miles Gaskin. You look at those top three receivers. Kenny Galladay, no stranger to the trainer's room, but he's the number three receiver there. And then you get potential number one receivers in Corey Davis, and uh, I guess you could say Amon Ross St. Brown late. I don't think he'll be the number one, but there's a non-zero mm. chance of it happening. Daryl Williams you have late, too, as, as getting a piece of the Chiefs backfield. Um, whether he's the backup or not, if Edward Delaire goes down, I mean, you could get some good weeks out of Daryl Williams. So this is another team, um, you know, only two tight ends, but they're Kittle and Jonu Smith. And I think that's going to be fine there. Yeah, he's fine at tight end. I absolutely love what he did at receivers. I thought there were some players on the board that could have helped him 16, 17, and 18 a little better. That's just me. Um, yeah, very, very good team. We, we don't like to take some hill pick. Uh, but, uh, you know, he wanted three quarterbacks. He went and got them. You like Winston for that position, right, in, in New Orleans? Why not? Yes, sir. I like Winston <laughs> for that position. <laughs> we um, we let, saw Taysom Hill do a workmanlike job last year when given the opportunity. Uh, Jameis Winston thrown for 5,000 yards in this league. Now, he's not going to be consistent. Like Drew Brees, receivers are going to have to work differently to be successful. But 
Yeah, they got a coach that knows how to. They got a coach that knows how to prepare an offensive game plan. It's going to be nice to watch Jameis Winston. And uh, who drafted? Yeah, Mike Guzielak. Uh, no one. Winston went undrafted in, the, in this league. <laughs> only thirty. Listen, only thirty quarterbacks were selected tonight. So we are looking at two missing starting quarterbacks. I don't know who the other one was. We'll get the uh, we'll get the uh, chat room in on that to see if they can find out who the other. It's a Houston quarterback. Uh, well, no, but I'm uh, counting Taylor. Watson because Watson got drafted. Oh, okay, right? you're counting Watson there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm counting him. I just don't know who the other one was. Um, Guzzi, uh, Mike Guzilak in the chat room right now saying Hill was his regret pick from this draft. And I'll tell you this, if Hill, if your last pick of the draft, you can regret that one. That's fine. If you get the other 17 <laughs> right, you can regret the 18th one all you want. It doesn't matter at all. So congratulations to uh, Mike Guzilak on that uh, regret pick in the 18th round. Nightmares right, from the 18th off. round. <laughs> now, now that is a fantasy football team name right there, Farrell. Um, Howard Bender from FantasyAlarm.com was picking seventh tonight. He gets Justin Herbert, Carson Wentz, and Zach Wilson as his quarterbacks. The running backs are Ezekiel Elliott, Mike Davis, Michael Carter, Kenyon Drake, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, receivers, Devontae Adams, Keenan. I uh, beg your pardon, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Michael Gallup, Triquan Smith, Terrace Marshall, Demarcus Robinson, Denzel Mims. Tight ends are Adam Troutman and Jared Cook. Now, I guess if I'm going to uh, pick a weakness here, I'm going to say the tight end. Uh, he waited until round 10 to draft this first one. He got the 15th one off the board. He goes right to it and getting Jared Cook in the 11th round, but I don't know if that's enough here. I mean, you've got, you got to have some really good production at the position, and that's all you're going to have all season. I don't know if that's going to be enough to get it done. Now, I will say this. I think Elliott is in for a bounce-back season. I think people are sleeping on Mike Davis. I, I like Michael Carter in the 7th to get a pass-catching running back like Kenyon Drake in the ninth, and then another one in Giovanni Bernard in the 14th. I think you could have done a lot worse. And then there's some upside with some of these late picks, right? Terrace Marshall, Traquan Smith, Michael Gallup even. Michael Gallup could be a 1,000-yard receiver that he's getting in round eight. So I think there's a lot to like here um, with Howard Bender's draft. I think if he had to do it over Farrell, he might have gone tight end earlier. He might have gone tight end earlier, and he would have tried to uh, find the third one, which I believe – which I really believe was out there, probably Cincinnati tight end that I'm high on, Usama. But the, the we're we're in a you know Howard was on being interviewed when I joined the show tonight, and, and if Howard were to debate me about his roster, I would lose because he's well spoken, he's well planned, he knows what he's doing, and uh, he, I can tell by listening to him that he's got a real uh, a, a real uh, fever for fantasy football and loves to play. So he he knows the players. Yeah, he he got trapped a little bit there at tight end when you're he's got the uh, he's got the young kid out of Dayton still to be determined what that player does, and he's got a 34 year old with the Chargers who who I think will do well, but will cede sometime uh, to the kid uh, Parnell out there. Um, Shane Hallam uh, pointing out in the chat room right now, Farrell, there was no Detroit Lions quarterback drafted. Jared Goff did not get selected in this. And also, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, neither one of those players selected. So no Broncos wow. quarterback, no, Ly- uh, no Lions quarterback in this draft, which should mean, right, that we're – are we? no, no, that's it, right? Just those two, I, I think. Yeah, just those two. Okay, perfect. Well, we, we cracked that case wide open. Let's move on to yes. Jay Reed and Scott Connors' team in the eighth uh, position tonight. Josh Allen and Russell Wilson at quarterback. 
Um, they start off with four straight running backs, and then they never touch the position again. Austin Eckler, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift, and Javante Williams. The receivers, there's a lot of them. Chase Claypool, LaVisca Chenault, Antonio Brown, Elijah Moore, Emmanuel Sanders, Nelson Aguilar, Christian Kirk, Byron Pringle, and Dwayne Eskridge. Tight end, Gerald Everett, Hunter Henry, and Zach Ertz. Now, I am assuming, and I don't know this because I, I have been doing this show tonight, I'm assuming that they probably stream this, this Pros versus Joes, um, or at least did a podcast that they'll be putting out later. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear their thought process here because I, I, I think it's pretty clear what the strategy was, right, for them. Get the volume and the touches early with all the running backs. Get a couple of elite quarterbacks. Pound the hell out of receivers, right, be, because it's, it's a best ball. And then they ended up waiting to get um, waiting on tight end, but then they made sure they got three of them in Everett, Henry, and Ertz. This, to me, is a tough team to rate, but I think it's a very exciting team. And I, I think it's sort of the wild card of, of this draft because of how dominant it could be in the backfield, not just with running back, but with quarterback. Um, it, it's just the receivers and the tight ends have to come together. And I guess if you get enough of them, Farrell, it could come together and this team could be pretty good. I love what they did at tight end. And they gambled. They waited and they were rewarded immensely. And, you know, Zach Ertz will eventually find a home wherever that may be. And it'll be pretty exciting. You know, any team with Claypool on it, Bucky, is a, is, is a favorite of mine. I think these guys, <laughs> uh, I think playing in this event means a very, very great deal to these guys. If they thought this out. I don't know. You know, I'll pick on them for picking Pringle. They had better choices out there. But all in all, this is a very, very good team. I agree with you. This team could win it. Everett, uh, I think I, think I, uh, I forgot about my friend. I, I misspoke earlier, but in the Shane Waldron offense, uh, Everett is going to be uh, fantastic. And I think these guys uh, may have known it even before I knew it, but it's, uh, it's a wonderful pick to think in this format that you can get these tight ends where they got them. It's a great job. Uh, moving on here as we are coming up on uh, the final 10 minutes of the program tonight. Billy Muzio talked to him earlier as well from FantasyData.com and the Fantasy Football Fanalyst uh, podcast. You have uh, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. Um, running backs Antonio Gibson, Travis Etienne, Zach Moss, Darrington Evans, Rashad Penny, and Devontae Booker. Receivers Tyreek Hill, Terry McLaurin, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, Debo Samuel, Gabriel Davis, Jameson Crowder, Mark Hesveldis, Scantling, Tight end are TJ Hawkinson and Irv Smith. Now, this is sort of like the opposite of the team that was right next to him, right, in Reed and Connor, because while he's pretty strong and very deep at receiver and, and tight end, too, I like his tight ends, and I really like Hawkinson yes. quite a bit this year, and uh, Irv Smith is his backup. I think that's solid. But then you have Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins, who I, I remember correctly, I think those are my top two quarterbacks in the Scott Fishbowl this year, so obviously I like those two quarterbacks. Um, and then the, you look at the backfield, too. Antonio Gibson, he could be a monster this year. ETN, you know, you're not really sure what he's going to be. Gets him as the 25th running back off the board in the fifth round. But then Zach Moss, Darrington Evans, probably only worthwhile if, if Derrick Henry goes down. Rashad Penny, only worthwhile if Chris Carson goes down, and maybe not even then. And then you do get Devontae Booker, which I, I think there's something to be said for that. But this is sort of the opposite. You're, you're looking at dominant with the pass catchers, but the backfield uh, maybe leaves a little bit to be desired for Muzio's team. Yeah, and and then the guys tried to catch up with it too late, and, and I would have liked it better if they had stayed 
with their original plan and they then picked up some guys that they knew they could occasionally get points from, uh, such as James White. But, uh, yeah, these are some very good, uh, very good receivers that they've got. I, I like I like what they're doing there. The running back situation just got away from them. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. Um, but it, that's not to say it's a bad team, because I, I think this is a, a still a very competitive team, and we'll be following uh, Billy Muzio's uh, analysis when he puts that out, um, and you can check out the links to that at FF Muzio on Twitter. Jeff Tirabassi, um, the Corn Fins uh, franchise here from the 10 spot. Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa are his quarterbacks. The running backs, Nick Chubb, Damian Harris, Naheem Hines, Daryl Henderson, Philip Lindsay, Kenneth Gainwell, Samaje P. Ryan, receivers, Stephon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, D.J. Moore, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, John Brown, tight ends, Dallas Goddard, Mike Gesicki, and C.J. Uzoma. So this is another team, too, Farrell, where I love the tight ends. I think the wide receivers are very, very good. Um, and then he, he went with the, with the uh, running back lottery tickets late, right? I don't think Hines is right. necessarily a, a lottery ticket because he's going to catch passes. He's going to do what he does. But Henderson, Lindsey, Gainwell, Piran, all those guys will need injuries um, in order to, to factor in. Now, that could work out because it's, it's not like Mixon or Sanders or Johnson or Akers. It's not like those guys have to go down with a season-ending injury. Even if they miss two or three games, that's still significant for these running backs. And outside of his top two, he didn't use a, a draft pick higher than round, of, uh, round 11 uh, to get any of these guys. So I like what he did there. Um, and then the quarterbacks and Joe Burrow. And t- I, I don't know about Tonga Vailoa. I've gone back and forth on him. But I do like Joe Burrow quite a bit this year. So a good effort here and a good, pro- good production um, that we're going to get see out of Jeff Tirabasi from the 10 hole. I agree, and I love the Tua pick here, Balky. This is the only kind of game that I want to have Tua in. And he's put him together with the opposite type of young quarterbacks. So he's got two young quarterbacks that are playing for teams that are going to have to be explosive. Tua with his feet, Burrow, as we talked about this last Friday night, they got to get some wins, and uh, he's going to be throwing that ball all throughout uh, those contests with the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, the Bengals run into Baltimore twice. That's when Tua will have to step up for Jeff. But I like this team. I like the fact that he uh, he stacked his Dolphins. And, you know, he has Gusecki in the only format that I would like to have Gusecki in. He caught 60 balls last year at the tight end position. You just never know when the hell he's going to catch him. I think he might catch more this year, but it will still be erratic and inconsistent. And, and, but uh, Jeff will take advantage of that in this format. EstablishTheRun.com co-founder Evan Silva was picking 11th tonight. He gets Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, and Cam Newton as his quarterbacks. He gets Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Jamal Williams as his running backs. Um, The receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Marquise Brown, DJ Chark, Brandon Cooks, Michael Pittman, Henry Ruggs, Rashad Perriman, and Cordero Patterson. Uh, And then Mark Andrews and Anthony Ferkser at tight end. Farrell, we talked about how he killed it with receivers. Really like that. I think the quarterbacks, he did a bang-up job there, too, uh, getting uh, both Jacks, or all three of Jackson, Darnold, Newton. See how long Newton hangs on to that starting job. Um, so I think that's something to be uh, a little bit concerned with there. Uh, Ferkser's mm-hmm. an interesting guy. I, I don't know if the, if the preseason um, uh, hype is going to carry over into the regular season, but certainly Silva has his finger on that. Mark Andrews, I think, is going to be solid. And obviously, you get the stacking there, not only Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, but Marquise Brown on this team as well. So a lot of Ravens there. Uh, he gets Barkley to fall into his lap in, at, at 11, um, and, and if Barkley's healthy, certainly 
uh, that is going to be a steal there. But the story of this team and where it will live and die is all these receivers and certainly a lot more likely to live than die with that lineup. You know, this uh, <laughs> this drafter has, has contributed to fantasy football in so many ways, and he knows what he's doing and has an idea of what he wants to accomplish. I love what he did with Ruggs. I love what he did with Pittman. Uh, it, it, you talk about the hype uh, for the tight end, Fersker. Uh, we hear a lot about it, and I'm I'm a little bit amazed that uh, an undersized tight end uh, who runs a four nine five is getting this kind of attention in fantasy football when there's other guys that um, that uh, that aren't. But uh, nevertheless, we'll see what Tennessee does with him. And uh, yeah, I would have liked to have a little more tight end here. Um, final to team we're going to look at tonight is the uh, FFPC main event, Joe, uh, Ryan Lips. And he was the first one to take a quarterback tonight. He gets Patrick Mahomes to go with Aaron Rodgers. Um, the, uh, we'll call it the State Farm uh, signal callers, I guess. The uh, running backs are Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, Tevin Coleman, Tariq Cohen, and Ty Johnson. A lot of running backs there. The receivers, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, Sterling Shepard, and A.J. Green. Tight ends, Evan Ingram, Rob Gronkowski, and Eric Ebron. So, Farrell, he is obviously elite at quarterback, even if Aaron Rodgers does not play, which, let's face it, he's going to. Um, the, the running backs are really good. Taylor, Akers, Montgomery. I mean, even Gordon, too. People are really discounting Gordon with all yep. the Javante Williams love. And, and you know, I, and I get it. Maybe Williams will be the the – the, the, the starter there, the guy who's going to touch the ball the most, but that doesn't mean Melvin Gordon's going away. So I think he's solidly four deep at running back and maybe even uh, deeper than that we consider Coleman and Cohen. Um, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett, and Cortland Sutton, good trio at receiver. I think Parker's okay, and then it obviously drops off to Shepard and Green. So maybe a little bit of a question mark there. But I, I think where this team, you know, how good it can be is going to be determined by the, the tight end play. Because Evan Engram, Rob Gronkowski, and Eric Ebon, when they're all at the peak of their powers, yeah, they're awesome. But how often are they going to do that this year? Now, he only has to start one a week, obviously, in this best ball format. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that might be the weakness on this team here. I think it is, too. But Gronk will have those games from week to week that can save that position. And this, to me, with the exception of the tight end, but I'm not going to – I'm not going to blame him on this tight end selection, perhaps as much as you are, Balky. This is the absolute perfect collection of best ball players, every one of them. Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard at the last game of the year, a tremendous performance last year. I think he caught 11 balls. It's a situation where every one of these type players has that breakout opportunity. I love this team, and I think he picked up players of value just because of the other, because in the football guys format or, or our main event format, some of these players are out of favor, and I think they're going to deliver for him. And if uh, you know if the stars align right, uh, this could be your team. Uh, you are my co-host, and you did a great job tonight, Farrell. I want to thank you for uh, hopping aboard. Remember to everybody to check out kffsc.com and uh, and make sure that you're jumping in the main event there. Uh, it's going to be a great time, whether you're drafting online, at home, or in Cincinnati, or in Louisville. Look forward to it. And I look forward to talking with you again tomorrow for another two hours. A little bit. We'll do it an hour later. We'll do it at 9, 8 central tomorrow. 
uh, but two hours. And another great uh, Pros versus Joe's draft lined up, Farrell. Can't wait for it. Thanks for hopping aboard tonight, man. You bet, buddy. I'll see you then. Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, joining us tonight. All right, that is going to do it for our episode tonight. I want to thank Darren Armani, the FFPC, our producer and mutual friend Rob, audio engineer, uh, and my best friend Bryce, and, of course, all of our listeners. Thanks to Billy Muzio, Sigmund Bloom, Shane Hallam, and Howard Bender, all for joining the program tonight. Tomorrow it is the Shake and Bake League Number 2. We'll do it an hour later, like I just said. Tomorrow night, 9, 8 Central, the Joes, Jay Flake, Mike Stanowski, Mark and Amy Palmer, Jason Khan and Aaron Laser, uh, Robert Trenz, Brad Petrie, and Darren Larson uh, will all be on the show for the Joes. And then for the pros, you're looking at Jeremy Brown, Jason Petropoulos, Rich Rebar, Brian Drake, Dwayne McFarland, Michael Leone, and Scott Barrett. Register for the inaugural best ball tournament today at myffpc.com. Dynasty startups and the Football Guys Players Championship going strong there. Remember, you're getting $400 off every additional main event team you have yeah, or that you'll get on your account today. Main event early bird, uh, uh, the main event uh, early draft slot announcement expires in eight days. Don't forget about kffsc.com. Your week starts This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Um, one thing I should clarify, too, and maybe I will in, in tomorrow's FFPC email that is, that is going to go out, there are actually seven pros versus Joes leagues. Um, and maybe I said this, um, uh, not only I said it earlier in the broadcast, but there are seven pros versus Joes leagues. We only cover six of them live because uh, the seventh league was one that we added last year. That is a slow draft, uh, and we are, not, um, we are not going to give you weeks upon weeks coverage, uh, continuous coverage of a slow draft. So, um, th- there still will be a prize awarded for that, a free main event team, but uh, we will not be covering that live. We have five drafts left to go for pros versus Joes. This was a great start. I'm excited for a lot more drafting action and excited to be here right here, uh, be right here with you listening and talking with us and, and uh, figuring out the mystery that is the 2021 fantasy football season. Thanks for listening, everybody. Farrell and I will talk with you tomorrow. <laughs>